Welcome to Record Night. I'm Ryan. And I'm Chris. And what do we do here at Record Night? Record Night, we pull a fan out of a hat, we each bring a record based on that theme, and then we sit around and talk about it, right? Perfect. That's, yeah. That's if you want to get a hold of us, uh, we are all over the internet. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, we're at record underscore night. Uh, Instagram, we're record night pod. Facebook, uh, we're record night. And then if you just want to email us the old fashioned way, want to stay off social media, uh, you can email us at recordnightpod at gmail.com. So send us your themes or. If you want to be a featured artist on our show, show off some of your music to a new audience, uh, send it our way. Our featured artist this week is Sunless Alter. Uh, Sunless Alter are a Dungeon Synth band uh, based in Dallas. You guys don't know what Dungeon Synth is? It's exactly what it sounds like. Synth. <laughs> I mean, like, like it's it's cool shit. It's ambient. Um, and I'm going to read what Michael on Bandcamp said about it. Sunless Alter is amongst the best composed next year Dungeon Synth I've heard. Six eerie diverse tracks that take you away to a darkened realm with Vangus-like drones, orchestral keys, nature-themed samples, and some epic percussion and trumpet guitar on the last track. Breathtakingly good. Um, so, uh, yeah, the, if you guys want to hear them, you can go to someonesalter.bandcamp.com. Uh, they actually did uh, a uh, split with Vinthanok. We talked about them earlier. They said not to oh, yeah, yeah. the name, but fuck it, I just did. Yeah, come we'll and get call, me. <laughs> calling the other gods back. Yeah, but we're, I'm going to be playing um, Embers of the Forgotten at the end of the episode. So uh, if you guys want to uh, stick around, uh, go ahead and listen to that and go to the band camp and, uh, you know, listen to it or download it. Uh, it's the name of your price. So, yeah, it's Sunless Altar, Dungeon Synth. And we don't talk enough about, I don't mean Dungeon Synth in particular. Have we ever mentioned Dungeon Synth on the show? I don't think it's it's. Kind of a, a niche genre, yeah, but it, it's kind of, I think it's pretty cool. It's a, I think it fits in the realm of maybe sort of a chip tune or something like that. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it, I don't know. Am, dark, ambient, but trying to feel like a, a you know gross dungeon. Oh yeah, uh, uh, musky. So what's, okay, what's so. our what's our um, theme this week or this episode? So this week on our fortieth episode, mm-hmm. it is gateway albums gateway albums uh i lots of room for interpretation there i think yeah uh i'm i'll, I'll get to my ways and then we'll get into yours after you announce it um so uh i i had plenty of ideas and so i went super personal with gateway for me mm-hmm. um and i went with uh the atari's uh blue skies broken heart six 12 exits it's their second record but we'll get to that but what is your pick yeah, mine was, I also had a lot of ideas, but this is a hard pick for me because I feel like in my musical discovery journey, I've gone through a lot of gateways. Like, I think there are just a lot of albums out there that are really good entrances <laughs> yeah. to uh, whatever. But I went with one of my favorites, uh, Moving Pictures by Rush. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, tell me about Rush. If I- yeah, pretend well, I've never heard moving, of the legendary prog rock band Rush. Right, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're a Canadian band uh, from Canada. Uh-huh. Oh, consisting of Getty Lee on bass and vocals, mm-hmm. Alex Lifeson on guitar, and Neil Pert or Peart, however you pronounce it. I, it's that HR Geiger, HR Geiger thing again, where it's like <laughs> everyone pronounces it different ways um, on drums, uh, and each one of them, respectively, is known 
as super influential master of their instruments, mm. and they somehow all got together and formed just this amazing band. I want to mention them to you. Before I listened to this record, I didn't know they were a trio. Oh, really? Yeah, I had no clue. How many did you think they had? Four, at least, at least. Oh, yeah, <laughs> gotta have <laughs> two drummers. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, that like I mentioned them earlier. Yeah, he's like, I was like, they're a trio. He's like, you didn't know that? I'm like, I guess not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, moving pictures, mm-hmm. uh, 1981 album. It's their eighth. And this one is it the one right after 2112? No, this one was after uh, Hemispheres, I okay. believe. All right. But it is after 2112. Yeah. This is kind of the first in their, one of their like transition periods. Like they, they changed their sound a lot. So this was right in between their more progressive rock stuff and their like synthier sound mm. I of, of those two things. So this nestles right in the middle where they tried to take a different approach to it, focus a little bit more on synthesizers um, and kind of you made stuff a little... A little simpler, not not crazy simple, but a little more maybe radio friendly. Sure, sure. Um, which is probably where you've heard the majority of these songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, everyone's heard that little synth run in Tom Sawyer, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> iconic. Yeah. Um, so I think this album, as a gateway, is a good gateway to progressive rock. Kind of ease you into, you know, more more complex, maybe more like ambitious ambitiously planned music. Um, it's a good gateway to rush. If you just want to get into that band, it's a good gateway for, uh, for friendship. Uh, <laughs> Cause I feel like with this album, like if you're, I, I've got a few friends that I've really uh, connected on this album with. Oh yeah. Um, so we're always just, we're, we talk rush a lot. Um, uh, this, um, at least for me, there are albums that I think are, objectively mm-hmm. uh which I, I don't talk very much objectively this is objectively a 10 out of 10 album oh. i don't think there is a single bad song on here and I, I do not fault anybody on picking certain songs as their favorite like i think every song on here could be someone's favorite song on the album interesting and you would not be wrong Ooh. i've got a few i've got a few of those that they don't they don't make my you know top 10 but it's like yeah, this is a super important album that fucking whips. So, uh, what's your history with Rush? Like, how did you get into Rush? Um, I don't remember. I think like maybe I listened to it with my dad mm. or something like that. But it's always been this band that's kind of been in the background. And I first decided to check them out because I played some of their songs on a uh, rock band. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big rock band perfect, fan, perfect. big Guitar Hero fan. What, what song? Uh, did, what song did you play in rock band? I think they had Tom Sawyer in the first rock band game. Okay. Well, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have a rock band. I had Guitar Hero. And, um, that was after still I, a good game. Yeah. That's when I still like, that's when I was actually out of the house, like living on my own by then. It's like mm-hmm. 20 or something, 22. I don't know. I'm old. Um, but, um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I, I was, this is the first, like I've listened to 2112 before, but it was just sort of on the background and it, I keep forgetting that there are plenty of bands I can listen to now because I have a paid Spotify account. Right. I know this is record night, you know, like, so like we tell my records, do you have this on vinyl, by the way? I do. Yeah. Oh, is it like, is it like an old, like old vinyl? I think think it's one of the, uh, it was pressed in the eighties. I think I'm not, I'm not a super fan of the edition because it's like such a light uh, pressing. 
mm. like you know gram wise of how heavy it is. Like it's flimsy. It's borderline a fucking flexi disc. <laughs> like it, it's so thin. Uh, the cardboard sleeve on the outside's really like it's all. It feels like very cheaply made. So but it, it has the songs I like on it. So oh, okay. So it doesn't sound good, does it? It sounds fine. Okay, uh, so like whatever, if yeah. I can find a better edition of it, I know they reissue and remaster this album all the time. So I'm sure it's not hard to find. I just need to find a copy of it because Rush likes to do those like big deluxe editions where it's like we've got 300 songs and they're all different versions of you know 2112 and it's like seven I, XLP. You're like what? <laughs> yeah, it's like can I just get the one LP version of this that has the songs that are remastered? I don't yeah, need yeah. every single <laughs> demo that exists yeah. or every live version that they ever played. Um, do you want to get into the standpoint and then we'll talk more about Rush? Yeah, let's okay. show off the sampler. This is uh, Rush's Moving Pictures. Yeah, that was Richard. That was Richard's new pictures. Um, so uh, let me tell you what. I f- what after listening to this at the one time, I was still like four times. Mm-hmm. But let's do one time. This is the um, this is the less flattering version of this idea. So what this reminds me of is 
and this never happened, but let's my let's say I was I had to go with my dad for work one day, and he had to leave me off with this coworker, who was in his apartment and smelling cigarettes, and he was listening to this in his underpants. That's what it felt like to me. Like like <laughs> smelling cigarettes in my dad's loser friend apartment. That that never happened, but that's the idea I have because an older guy <laughs> who's trying to connect with me. Uh, some twelve-year-old, thirteen-year-old kid. He's like, "No, this is right." And I'd be like, "No," I'd be like, "It's Rush. You never heard of Rush? This is Rush." And they'll turn up a little bit, and he'll be like, nodding his head. I'm like, "Isn't that you?" Like, "Isn't that isn't that awesome?" I'd be like, "I guess, man." Like, like that's how I got in my head. Because yeah, I this, this I don't know why, but that's that's like the stereotype for a Rush fan. Like, I think Family Guy made fun of it. Uh, Freaks and Geeks made fun of it. Yeah, but here, like that's just. <laughs> That's just what they think they are. It comes to Rush, though, um, and it, this is not a diss on them, but it's a very dad rock record. <laughs> like, like, like. Well, yeah, dads like it. Yeah, dads like it, and uh, apparently non dads like it, like you and I. <laughs> uh, but um, uh, it's a very. It's. I mean, to me, it sounds like like I've heard plenty of these songs on the radio. At least four. Oh yeah. At least four. Uh, I haven't heard the Camry Eye because <laughs> that's a limited song, but. <laughs> I've definitely heard Tom Story. I've definitely heard The Limelight, and I've definitely heard, uh, I think Vital Signs. Yeah, but um, yeah, they, I mean, they have what seven songs to choose from. Yeah, it wouldn't be that hard to hear all those on the radio. Yeah, except for uh, the ones that exceed, like like Camera Eye, which is um, I, when when you sent to me, I was like, oh, oh yeah, I didn't go. I was like, I wonder how long this one will be. And I was like, oh, forty minutes. That's nothing. And I saw seven yeah, songs. Yeah, nice brisk and, forty. Yeah, I was like, oh, seven songs. Wow. Okay. <laughs> but uh Rush Moon Pictures. Um do you, do you remember how you're introduced to it? Or you just you heard it and you checked it out? Like just on the, that simple thing? I th- yeah, it, one of those things where it's like you hear you hear all these songs separately. I'm sure I heard them on the radio or my dad was listening to them or whatever, and then you're just after a while you realize like, oh fuck, those are all on the same album. So this I'll record listen to that one. Let's pretend this record is a doorknob or a uh-huh. gate or a gate latch. When you open that latch, what's on the other side? Besides uh, all of the rush stuff, like there are others. The entire world of progressive rock. Oh yeah. So is that did it? Did I it, think so. I think this is a really good entry point of like, it's it's tight enough and catchy enough that I and but still complex enough that you can start to appreciate some of the, just the weirder, crazy aspects of progressive rock. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you want to um, go through this track by track and see if we can uh, dissect this thing a bit? I think so. Okay. Let's start, start it off with Tom Sawyer. The song that fucking everyone knows. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure this is the most famous one on the album. So I want to talk about Gailey's voice real quick. Uh-huh. Uh, so he, he's known for having a high voice. And when I listened to this, I mean, I knew he had a high voice, but I didn't realize how much Claudio Sanchez of the... Mar- not the Mars Volta. Claudio Sanchez of... Oh, Cook and Cambria are imitating a Gailey voice. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because it's it's just as high. And if you didn't know, you would think he kind of feminine, but no, Gailey just has a high singing voice, which is incredible. Yeah, and he he dialed it back on this one. Like you hear some of their older stuff, I guess, before his voice developed, not developed, but uh, you know, kind of settled on where like what's a good range for it. Like he would sing a lot higher, a lot crazier on the older stuff. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of interesting uh, that that way. Uh, so, I mean, I I liked it. I don't have an issue with with the, uh, but it, it 
when you listen to him, like, okay, so he's not doing falsetto. So that's not a thing that's there. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's just the way he sings, which is, hey, good for him for having some sort of range like that. But uh, this record starts out with a very space rock sound. You know, you hear the Yeah, you got that synth and the drums coming in. Um, and uh, I, I do want to mention, so also Rush is also known for people who play D&D because their lyrics, at least not, not so much on this one, but uh, 2112 is just like sci-fi fantasy type stuff. Yeah, they uh they're big nerds. Oh, like yeah. they're they're huge nerds. Like uh you should see the band photo that they have for I think it's 2112. They're all wearing like shiny white tunics <laughs> and like they they look like a a stage play of a, a pirate play or something like that. Like it's they look ridiculous. They're big nerds and I think that's why I like them. How long have you liked him? Was it was Neil Peart like still alive when you liked him? Yeah, I mean, he didn't die that long ago. Yeah, like um, last year, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I've liked him probably going on. It's probably most of my life. Like my dad listened to it when we were younger. Okay, so oh, so he's a Rush guy. Your guys are yeah. Okay, my my parents didn't listen like anything about the radio, and even then, they didn't have like records. So I, I, if I wanted to listen to anything, I had to like go out and seek it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you had to put in requests on the radio, or I had to call drop to my TRL. I mean, I had to lose a friend apartment. Which never happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my brother's like a trailer, but I'm not going to talk to anyone who was in the trailer. Some people help with. But so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, t- Tom Sawyer. Uh, th- this is starts out space rock. And if anyone doesn't know this song, they'll definitely know by the Ben and then and then like that, what you put in the clip that see that synth run. Yeah. 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 So, uh, I mean, within the song's just about. It's it's kind of about like rebelling, but then also the difference between like the actual person and how that person is perceived. Yeah, by pe- like what like what people think of a rebellious person versus what his actual thinking and intention is. Like uh, Tom Sawyer. Do do you so we, are you are you one of those people who thinks the Neil Peart's lyrics are like amazing? I think he I think he does a really good job with lyrics. Yeah. Talk about lyrics later on this record. Later he's on got this a, yeah, he, he's got uh, a lot of like influence. Like he's re- really well read. Yeah. Um, I think maybe he liked Ayn Rand a little too much sometimes. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's you've got a few like got like a lot of literary references on here. Yeah, it's a lot of just a lot of really interesting stuff with interesting ideas. Like they could very easily continue on just doing like these story things that they've done in the past, but this is, you know, looking through different ideas uh, across a bunch of different tracks. It's interesting to have the drummer who um, also just do all the lyrics too, because he wrote most of the lyrics, like Mm -hmm. very little was not from his hand. It came to lyrics, but um, he was the drummer, but now you can, now he's not one of those dudes you can say that one, he's an amazing drummer all throughout this record, but I do think that I do think they could have done a, I mean, it's seventies production, you know, early eighties production. So I don't know mm-hmm. if they could have pumped it up a little bit, but because uh, because I'm just I don't have I'm not a big fan of the mix of the drums on this record. Oh really? Yeah. I think it, I mean it's probably a bit of eighties production. They switched over to a new producer, and from what I read, they did a lot of interesting stuff with the drums on here. Mm-hmm. But it, I think when you have three people who are so good at what they're doing, and like the focus isn't the drums yeah. and whatever they're doing, it's like how do you pick? 
how do you pick what pops out? How do you showcase like, like everyone? Because they're all gods at their instruments. That's that's abundantly clear. They're all just amazing. Yeah. Like 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 they can also like, uh, put they're making sounds out of a guitar that don't necessarily sometimes sound like a guitar. Or you're just like, man, he's just fucking like this is just a fucking real pro with this shit. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, like, and that's abundantly clear from the first song off this record, Tom Sawyer, and yeah, yeah, which this this one's kind of like deceptively complex. Like, if you mm-hmm. sit down, like, actually, just sit down and listen to the drums, uh, drums especially. Like, I think even Neil Peart was like, I, "This is one of my hardest songs that I play." Mm-hmm. It's like because sh- stuff's always kind of like shifting around. You've got these like interesting guitar solos with that have like instrumental breaks that have just like layers of different complex things going on um near the end as the song's fading out getty lee is switching back and forth live playing the bass playing the synth playing the bass playing the right? synth. what the fuck man like like, like that's that's how it was written because yeah. a lot of these songs were written as like jams live that then they kind of like sat down and settled on what the stuff was going to sound like so it was specifically written so he could you know play it out on the bass and then switch over real quick to the synth and mm-hmm. back and forth. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's cool. <laughs> I like Sean Sawyer. <laughs> um, we can go to red. Uh, it's supposed to be Barchetta, 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 but, um, yeah. Cause it's, uh, I think it's Italian. It's a car. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, it is also my favorite song on the album. Oh, oh, it starts out like kind of eerie and then it gets, no, no, I'm sorry. You're dead. Uh, no, it starts out kind of peaceful, right? Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's it, like these nice little like guitar harmonics. Yeah, it sounds it sounds like um, it's a it's about uh this this. So what I got from this idea is my uncle has a country place that no one knows about, right? And uh, mm-hmm. you ever seen the Children of Men? Yeah. Okay. Do you remember when uh, Clive Owen he goes to um to uh what's the actor's name Michael Caine's house? Uh-huh. That's what I got. Like that's why I pictured it in my head because this takes place in sort of an Orwellian future. Because yeah, that's what they say. I think the story of it is like they're in the future where I I don't know if cars are banned or if going fast in cars is banned. <laughs> but air cars um, aren't banned at all. Yeah, but it's got this kind of idea of like freedom of the road stuff <laughs> like that. Um, Neil Pert is like a pretty or he was a pretty big gearhead. Mm-hmm. Um, like so, he liked riding his motorcycle. He's written like two, two or three books about it. Oh wow! Um, driving around, yeah. He, this was before I think before it happened, but like later on in his life, I think like both his daughter and his wife died in different ways. And Fuck. like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he was he was like super depressed, didn't really want to do anything, so he went on this like cross country cross continent like motorcycle thing like that's all he did for a few years was just cruise around on his motorcycle and he said it like really helped him heal and all that stuff uh so you really get the i guess how he feels about driving around like the importance of that space for him my dad had or my you know dad's his friend who was a coworker, really and he took a a motorcycle trip from the farthest north road you can go in north america to the uh-huh. you go in south america but, wow! But the thing is, you can't cross is that Darien Gap, which is like mar- like marshland. So they had to like they had to fly their motorcycles over the Darien Gap, and then begin to, <laughs> he should have just built a big old ramp. I know, right? I mean, it, it, they've talked about building a road through there, but I mean, it's in the middle of the fucking jungle. Who's gonna? I mean, right? Anyway, moving on. 
Um, yeah. Uh, so what I really like about this song is it tells a story, but then you get the sense of like the action of the story through the music. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. as, as like a car chase is happening during verse three, like the music really picks up like a car chase is happening. Yeah. You get a nice extended, like calm outro jam yeah. when, uh, when he escaped the police and he's back at his, uh, Uncle's country place, hanging out, laughing at the cops that couldn't catch him. Oh, when it comes to, they have very complex music, but they also have like very traditional song structures. You know, like verse, mm-hmm. chorus, uh, guitar solo, verse two, or you know, interchangeable. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not shitting on the the because the record I brought, it's all the same. But uh, but um, but uh, yeah, like uh, red bar, red bar, bar cheddar. That's it. Yeah, I can't. Red bar cheddar. That's bar cheddar? what I say. Okay. Cause, cause... Red biscotti. <laughs> Red bruschetta. Bruschetta. Uh, Red Kawasaki manicotta bruschetti. Yeah, because what I'm seeing is the second syllable should come with a hard K instead of a soft ch. So barchetta. Yeah, that's not what they say, though. But whatever. That's not what. <laughs> it doesn't matter because that's not what Getty Lee says. This is not a gearhead podcast. Yeah, this, this is. um. All right. But, uh, <laughs> but I, by the way, Getty Lee, I, I've seen pictures of that guy, and I, he he looks like the biggest nerd on the planet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Man, I gotta I gotta find that uh that picture for you. I'll send it to you yeah. at some point of these dudes because you're gonna be like, oh yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Oh yeah, uh, but yeah, but, um, I really like. There's a specific guitar sound during the solo on this one that makes it sound like he's like playing through like a tin can. Like they do a lot to like affect his guitar in interesting ways that I really like. Yeah, it, it definitely works with the song. Um, because, you know, it, it, the first time you get the idea, it's in the future, when it says a gleaming alloy air car, and you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he's going to get back before he, he gets a thought crime put on him. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I, it makes me want to read um, this the story, the... Uh, the um, so a nice morning drive by Richard Foster, which apparently this is based off of. Makes mm-hmm. someone, it makes him want to read that that story, but we'll see. I mean, it's 1973 issue of Written Track. I might have a hard time tracking that down. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently you just have to like call him or send him mail, and he'll uh, he'll get back to you way too late. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll be like 40. I'm like, oh, here it is. I, I sent this eight years ago, no, five years ago. <laughs> all right yeah um yeah, yeah. and we move on to uh yyz which, which i think the only instrumental gets, track on the record right yeah but also probably one of the most famous instrumental rock songs of all time oh yeah and it's it's rocks too it's a big it's a rocking song like like this. yeah this is their uh live like drum solo track like they play this and this is where you get the crazy extended drum solo is somewhere plopped in here so you listen to you listen to it live to hear that drum solo no, I haven't. Apparently, he just he changes it up every time. Oh, yeah, he's good enough to do that. He doesn't need to play the same solo. No, no. Uh, <laughs> but the uh, the little Easter egg in this song, or at least what it's all based around, is the Morse code of the uh, Toronto International Airport, the Pearson International. Why? Why is he there? Mm-hmm. So that's its call code, and then it's in Morse code is what the beat is based around, and then that's kind of how they continued writing the song and deciding how they were going to play different things. So tool eat your fucking heart out. Cause I've rushed been, it at first and better. I've been to this airport. 
Oh, have you really? Yeah, when I arrived though, it was fucking empty. I was like, I walked right straight through the whole like um, the whole customs thing, and they're like, "What are you here from? Like vacation?" They're like, "Go on." I'm like, "All right." And they, didn't, they Hell yeah. And they stamped my thing, but it was so white. I was because it's my first time. I got it was the first time out of the country, and when mm-hmm. they stamped it, I was kind of pissed off because I could barely see the stamp. I was like, I want that big stamp on my passport and fucking see it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So you know where you've been. Yeah. And so I look at my passport now and I'm like, I can barely see it. So the, I had to wait till I got the ice one. I got one of those nice and dark on there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this one really does a good job of showcasing the instrumental prowess of all the people in the band. Like, yeah. oh, Giddy Lee fucking rips on this one. Like, he's, he's doing it's His baseline's got like chords and solos and a other just like bits of awesome stuff. <laughs> what I feel like is someone was like, uh, if no one, someone never heard Rush and, and someone goes, are they good at the instruments? And the guy will go, listen to this. And he pulled yeah. YYZ. <laughs> um, it's great. It, it's crazy. Cause it's got a lot of complexity in it, but mm-hmm. it's also just like, it's super fun. I like, do. I do like how it starts out really kind of eerie and sort of noises. And then, you know, like this sort of, um, okay. Um, I'm not going to be thinking about Dune, but, but, but half like Hans Zimmer, he just Hans Zimmer. He he has the whole track. The whole thing is just like fucking creepy ass music. And uh-huh. why was he just says the littlest bit of that at the very beginning? Little little bit creepy. Yeah, a little bit creepy. <laughs> um, but you're seeing Dune Tuesday. Yeah, tomorrow. I saw it Sunday. And it was it was it was pretty cool, dude. I liked it a lot. I'm really excited. Uh, I like kind of near the end of this one. Yeah. Um, like one on the beat, like on the one beat, they'll have like breaking glass and like a bullwhip happening. <laughs> yeah. They were just fucking around in the studio, and I love it. You want to move on to Limelight? Yeah, which I think you'd mentioned earlier. It's dad rocky, classic rocky. Oh, that's I the, think the, this, this is the this, most. Uh, yeah, I go. I wrote in Limelight, typical dad rock. That's what I wrote. It is. <laughs> yeah, I think I think this is the mold that dad rock was made from. And there's nothing wrong with Dad Rock. I don't want to. I don't want to shit on Dad Rock because Dad Rock is often good. There's a reason why you call it Dad Rock because it's stuck around so long enough that you hear it from your dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like I don't know if we, I mean we might be hearing uh, "Wet Ass Pussy" twenty years from now from from people's. I mean, but I hope not. But if, uh, I'm saying, I don't know if I probably won't be showing it to my kids. No, but I won't be showing "Wet Ass Pussy." <laughs> my kids will be listening. To, I'm at the age now where like. Where if I had kids, they'd be so like you know a lot of people have kids in their late twenties. Mm-hmm. Like I'm at the point where I if I like for example the Ataris would have been something my kids would have heard, you know. Mm-hmm. If I had kids in my early twenties, um, because they'd be like, Dad, when did this come out? But like before nine eleven. <laughs> but uh, my kids would be raised on a healthy diet of Rush. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The, the, there's. I'm not saying don't listen to Limelight. It is dad rock, but it's good. It's good dad rock. It's really good. It's one of my favorites on here as well. Um, it's It's got lyrics about kind of being ambivalent about fame, but also kind of like warning people who are wanting to lead that life. I think they do a better job of explaining what's bad about fame mm-hmm. than uh, Limp Biscuit did on their track. <laughs> but also I feel like Rush at this point in their career were also – more famous than Limp Biscuit was at the time when Fred Durst got ambivalent about fame. I also think they're probably um, more respected, you know, than Limp Biscuit. Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But yeah, even though this is one of the more straightforward songs on the album, Mm -hmm. there's still a lot of like complexity and changing throughout it that really rewards uh, further listening on it. Like it, it keeps the song interesting, even though it almost feels like it could be one of the more boring songs. So have you heard the cover by Ninja Sex Party? I have not. Uh, I'm planning to listen to that after the podcast. So okay. I just now found out they covered it. And I've never heard Ninja Sex Party, and it doesn't sound like a party I want to be part of. Um, I think that that's led by one of the dudes on Game Grumps. Dude, I need to ask you a question. Um, yeah. Are you a Zappa guy? I've tried so hard. Okay, all right. It's like I appreciate Zappa, um, but I've yet to... He has like a million albums, so yeah. I don't even know where to start. Yeah. But they're all like so different that like I I don't know. I don't know where to start. I haven't liked what I've listened to so far, but I've appreciated it. Oh, oh, real quick. I have some administrative details really quick. Just This is off topic, but we'll get, we'll get back to limelight. Um, so last episode, I mentioned that... that um, Jimmy Hendrix dipped his headband in acid and played with it, and that's not the case because that would kill him or, you know, send him into psychosis at the time. Uh, He had hits of it, like six or seven, in the front of his head, so when he sweat, he'd get high and, you know. Right. The sound would make colors or whatever. Uh, Pretty close, though. Yeah, pretty close. So my brother was like, Chris, you're a fucking idiot. And so administrative details on that one. Okay, corrections. Yeah, we'll post a corrections episode. Yeah, yeah. Things that Chris got wrong. Yeah, uh, but I mean, speaking of lyrics, we haven't really talked about it too much beyond saying like, yeah, they're good. Um, In this there, you know, he's warning a little bit about like, I guess the how you have to act if you're going to be famous. And he's Mm -hmm. got, you know, a line like one must put up barriers to keep oneself intact. Yeah, you know what those sick of fans You have to keep people. Exactly. If to keep people at a distance, you're going to start losing yourself. Uh, those who it. wish to be must put aside the alienation, get on with the fascination, the real relation, the underlying thing. I love this song. Um, I really like it. It's rocking for most of the track, and then it slows down for the guitar solo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is which, how it should be, honestly. Like, like, yeah. Like you're like, uh, listen. This is why we're famous. <laughs> <laughs> and it really, even just in like a guitar solo, you get this sense of like isolation from it. Like it, it feels like a very isolated guitar solo. Like it, it matches it perfectly. Yeah, yeah I don't want to discount the bass player. Uh, wow, I mean, Getty Lee's bass playing in this is fantastic. It's crazy yeah. good. Yeah, that's why he's famous. Um, but Alex Lifeson, guitar player, uh, says that this is his favorite solo that he wrote through his career. The cool thing about it is that that a lot of times uh, guitar solo is just it's just the rhythm song, and he's playing over that. But they slow it down to bring like to highlight this solo, this solo on this, which is exactly which is cool. And it's not Ingve, where it's not, that's all it is. No, this is a component of the song that's really fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. It matches so well. Mm. Do you want to move on to the 11 minute tries track? Yeah. That's Camera Eye. My favorite, this is, the, my favorite song on the record. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It's it's an amazing track. Uh, it is 11 minutes, and it's also the last song in Rush's career to be over 10 minutes long. Oh, not, never again, huh? Never again. This is like the last holdout of their progressive rock. 
Do you miss the, like so? Have you listened to their newer stuff, like the newer stuff? I've tried. I don't like it as much. I like. Uh, I think I like one of the albums that's like squarely in the middle of their synth period called Grace Under Pressure. Because mm-hmm. they try to, they start to like rock a little more. They did this like, I had a reggae ska police esque song. I think on this album and on Grace Under Pressure, they outdo, they out police the police. <laughs> like, I've tried to get into the police and I don't like them, but I like the Rush songs that are kind of ripping off the police. Um, but yeah, A-cab, I like that right? one. A-cab, right? What? A-cab. Yeah. <laughs> Especially Sting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But... Um, I, I really, uh, I, I'm fine with like power windows. I think that one's pretty good. I know. Uh, I think it's presto has its fans, but yeah, I really like, I think I like earlier stuff up to grace under pressure. And then I kind of fall off quite a bit. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, they have lots of records. There's plenty of Bob Dylan records. I think are dog shit. So, like, mm-hmm. um, but the camera, it starts out with the sound of like a city. It has like, you know, you're the, the bustling city. And mm-hmm. it's, we get this little intro that lasts about two minutes. And we get, um, yeah, which the intro has this like, it's like synth chords yeah. and like some ambient guitar squeals and kind of these just like marching drums. But, but like about, like about three minutes and we get this meaty riff, you know, like I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm like, Ooh, it's meaty. It's, it's yummy. Um, and, uh, it's it, good. Like I, the, the riffage on this album. Oh yeah. Is especially this amazing. song. The song definitely. Like, I feel like, um, what I had in my head was that, that dingy, uh, loser character. My dad, he literally dropped me off for an hour. He takes care of something. He picks this up. This is his, where he finally put his pants on. He put his pants on. He's like, he picks up his guitar. That's dusty. Uh, uh-huh. off, off the corner of the wall in his, in his dark bedroom, dark living room. Where the, you know, the light's coming through the shades, but it's mud, you know it's dusty in there. So you see that, and he's like, he picks up the riff, and he's like, you play a little bit of guitar. I'm like, a little bit. He's like, see if you can play this. And he plays the riff from this. And I have a little bit of trouble. He's like, see, it's a little deceptively difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is just in my in my head, you know. But, um, it's in your imagination. It's your ideal situation to listen to Russia's moving pictures. Well, uh, my ideal situation was the way how I did it today at home. Um, but, um, oh, in your own dingy basement, smoking cigarettes in your underwear. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, I will not. I will say it's it could be dingy, but it's not. I don't smoke cigarettes, but it, I was probably most definitely in my underwear. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. Um, the twist is you are that friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope that's not the case. Um, you are not. Uh, I had, so, I had pants on with people here cleaning, but yeah. They had oh, them. good idea. Yeah. yeah. I didn't want to. The, like, uh, so the whole point of this song is uh, they're trying to capture the energy of two cities. First first part is New York. The second part is London. Yeah. I, always, I, I said, the weird thing is I was thinking about both those cities like the other day about like how different they are, you know, because uh-huh. London's a much older city than, uh, than, um, than New York is, but like they're, they're equally probably as important in the alphabet city global scale. You know, they're both alpha cities. Mm-hmm. So, alpha cities. <laughs> uh, I think that's the term, like, right? right? Like the, global... <laughs> the Chad New York versus <laughs> the Virgin Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know why I brought that up. Uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like it, it captures uh, New York and London. Um, they're I think it does a good job, especially yeah, yeah. through the lyrics where you get this. I love the. Uh, an angular mass of New Yorkers. 
and the uh, they seem oblivious to a soft spring rain. Yeah, I mean, sure, like an English rain, so I get runs endless from the leaving sky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's it's cool because uh, they 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 do this general break, and then again, like it does, you know, New York, and then it's really like then London. So they it's not like they just push the lyrics in here. They actually they when they wrote the song, I think they had the lyrics in mind, which is cool. Right. It's not like the, you know they jammed and they're like, hey, it would be cool if we like if we put these if I sang the lyrics to this. No, it's one of those. It's one of those things you can look at and see that this is written with the lyrics in mind, which is something that I think is hard as fuck to do. Honestly. Oh yeah, yeah. Trying to match the beat of all that. Mm-hmm. But it's cool though. It's I really cool. like um, this this kind of broad statement about cities. Uh, when he's talking about London, he says. Uh, are they oblivious to this quality, a quality of light unique to every city's streets? Okay. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's just a cool, cool line. Every, every city, it's different lights. It has its own unique fingerprint, its own unique uh, flavor. There's this line about, by Jeffrey Wilson, a song called Moving, where he says he'll never sing and see the street, uh, angle of the street that he saw from that window in his apartment, uh-huh. you know? Which also is like, that's kind of interesting too. Like, like, like just sort of having... Sort of, how much are you oblivious to in life? Like just walking. Yeah. Around. How much do you really take? How much are you energy? oblivious to soft spring rain? Yeah, right. Wait, he's in New York. Mm. Oh, maybe uh, he is oblivious. Maybe he is. Uh oh. <laughs> um, I also really like with the song being long is they uh, they like do like a whole song's worth of material for New York, and then they do a whole song's worth of material for. London, like you could, you could cut it off almost at any point, and it would still, Sounds, still pretty much be a full song. Yeah, um, th- there's a point in Genius where, um, it, it says, "Hello, morning, Gov." I didn't hear that. I heard all I hear was, "Um, yeah, you say what?" Like that's what I heard. I didn't. I tried to listen for the "Hello, morning, Gov" part, but I didn't hear it at all. Did you? Oh my god! So. Uh, since you were on Genius, did you happen to click it because it was highlighted? Like somebody put an annotation on it. Oh, okay. It says, "Oh God, burping." Oh, no, no, no. I want I want you to read what okay. somebody thinks that that says. Okay, eight fifty six into the song in the background, you can hear where he's to be Getty burp and say, "Oh God." Most Rush fans believe this is the English greeting, something like "Hello, morning, Governor." Another possibility is saying "More dub," requesting a monitor adjustment in his headphones, which sounds like bullshit to me. Do you like for an album that is so uh, fretted over? Like, it's, when we get to the next song, we'll talk a little bit about like how much work they put into all this stuff. Yeah, you really think they were gonna put a fucking burp? Yeah, in the middle of their song. Why wouldn't it be? Like, it doesn't matter what they're saying, but it's very clearly people having like a conversation on the streets. Mm-hmm. It makes sense that it's Elo Gov because mm-hmm. they're talking about London. Why would it be a burp? It drove me crazy when I read that. We yeah, I mean, we we generally hate everyone that they comments on um, genius. It seems why I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't say the guy's name, so I'm not point him out. But how weird would be I was if, mad. But imagine, I think imagine the song, how weird would be if someone who actually on genius listened to the podcast and emails us mad about their comment. Yeah, and, and then for, we'll just send them. We'll send them back a burp. Usually, what I do if I get a bad email, and this is generally what happens. These don't suck because I think so. Feedback. That's it. That's all I put. Right. It. Yeah. 
So I think this song really, uh, and it's across the whole album, but this song shows it off a lot where the bass has a very distinct kind of like low end growl mm. that really mm. makes it stand out during like solos and other parts where the bass is never lost in here, which yeah, I think which... is a really big production problem on a lot of albums is like people put the bass in there as support. So it's kind of existing in this space where you're not really like, uh, Consciously cognizant hearing. of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like uh, for, this is like, you're fucking hearing just fucking rip all the time. I love like when you hear the bass, I'm, I'm big on that. Like that's one of my things mm-hmm. that I love when it comes to any record. If I can hear the bass on it, um, because I don't want the bass to be something lost, you know? Like, yeah. Especially when it's this good. Yeah. When I, when I listen to records, I'm like, okay. I, I, after I mean, after I was to it, I definitely try to hear the bass in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Which is a little bit of a problem with the next record, but what you know what? Let's let's, let's talk. We'll about find it. out. You'll find out. Uh, let's move on to Witch Hunt, Witch which Hunt. is the first of four songs in Rush's uh, like Fear series. Strangely, uh, strangely relevant now, like how yeah, rele- yeah, like like if you want to talk about politic political song, this is kind of a political song. If you look deep into, oh, it. very much yeah, so. Yeah. Well, especially I think it's really funny where like. This song is called Witch Hunt, which is a term that has been co-opted by shitheads to be like people are people people are witch hunting me and it's like whatever, you're fucking stupid, but this song talks about like you know how those people are the ones doing witch hunt shit. One thing to do about this song uh musically is I how the percussions front and center at least the very beginning. Mhm. Like everything's loud. I think there's extra louder than everything on else. This. Yeah. It's louder than mm-hmm. everything else. And I was, uh, and it's sort of like, it's sort of like um, Neil going, <laughs> check this out. <laughs> um, yeah. Which, yeah. I love how much the song changes. Like, I feel like each verse has its own distinct style to for it. For sure. Like, you could hear me four seconds of one of the verse and be like, oh, this is the third verse. You know? Like, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I was into that. I like Witch Hunt. It's probably my second verse on the record. It's such a, it's great. And it's one that's really grown on me. I think it's uh, kind of across the board, like generally talking about it. One of the more underrated songs on the album, mm-hmm. probably because it's not as, you know, crazy show offy, impressive stuff. It, this one's more like songwriting and playing around in the studio. Like they had, they brought in guests. I've I've heard stories that uh, this was like the most fretted over song in the studio. Like they wanted to make sure they got it absolutely right. Cool. I mean, I, I, but I, you get. I do like the weirdest of this. This is it gives it gives a really cool um like a really cool fucking like vision. You know, nice black yeah. without a moon. There is thick and still the vigilantes gather on the lonely torchlit hill. So. I mean, yeah, it's got really good imagery in there of this angry mob that's formed from fear. Like they, I, this part is very topical. It's yeah. like they say they're they say they're strangers who threaten us, uh, are immigrants and infidels. Yeah, and and it's like they're still doing that shit. Yeah, yeah, and even more so now when we when you used to have a president that was. A, like, oh, never mind. I'm not, it's not that sure, right? <laughs> We've already done our politics episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> With an X. But, um, yeah. But to add to more of the ominous vibe of this, I, this song kind of has not like a legendary status, but you know, one of those like weird stories attached to it where yeah. 
the vocals for this song were recorded the night John Lennon died, and halfway through singing them was when they found out the news. So it makes you wonder. So they had that tinging it. It makes you wonder what it'd sound like if they didn't have that news. Like how different would it? Yeah, be? maybe it wouldn't sound any different. But yeah. well, you know, we can we can pretend like we hear the ghost of that in the song or something. Yeah. yeah. I, but I do like this one. It's it's got a really heavy uh, guitar riff when it finally shows up. Yeah. Like, they really kind of go back to some of their more like classic heavy metal roots. Heavy metal, or did you say rock? Huh? You said heavy metal. Yeah, but you know, that, like, like, there's that like difference Zeppelin between, <laughs> yeah, the difference between heavy metal and metal. Okay, okay. So it's like when somebody specifically says heavy metal, you're thinking, you know, old Rush. You're thinking immigrant song by Led Zeppelin. You're thinking maybe Black Sabbath, but they they may lean closer, a little more closer to like metal. But it's like that, like heavy heavy dad rock, I guess. Okay, there we go. Because I was like. That's how I divided in my head is like either you can call it like proto metal or heavy metal. But yeah, yeah, heavy metal because you call metal you call Iron Maiden metal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not Iron Maiden. I don't like Iron Maiden. That's just me though. I don't either. <laughs> uh, do you want to move into the final track, Vital Signs? Vital Signs. Yeah. It's uh, it's got a reggae uh, kind of like the Police yeah, vibe to yeah, it. Yeah. It's, it's it's interesting. They use the term. This is the best Police song ever written. They say it was. They use the term progressive electronica. I don't know if I'd call it that. Uh. No, just because it has a synth. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's an electronica song, but it's got this really cool like synth arpeggio, chopped up guitar like intro thing that I love. So the I wrote. I don't know. Why I wrote this, but I wrote down the all because we need this dad rock song. And I wrote down mm-hmm. in capitals nerd um, because. Yeah. <laughs> Because uh, I, th- I think they're using things like the feverish flux of human interface and the interchange. Let me see if we can find out what, what I should have wrote down with. Yeah, they do a lot of like oh, yeah, yeah. machine, okay. computer, yeah, yeah. or like electricity Here's imagery on it. Process information at half speed, pause around your play, warm memory chip, random sample. I was like, okay, nerd. <laughs> like, that's what yeah. I wrote. They got reverse polarity, short circuit, but um, this has which I think is on purpose because yeah. they're talking about you know, being away from the norm, getting kind of outside of this, like very rigid structure that a machine or a computer or something like that would have. This is something I know you really like, by the way. So in the first course is everyone needs a mood lifter. And then in the, in the second course needs everyone needs a soft filter. They change it up. Rhyming. Yeah. Yeah. You, well, actually the part I like is everybody got to deviate from the norm oh, and then the even better. Everybody got to, elevate from the dorm it's not it's not a lateral movement anymore they're not deviating from it it's like they're moving above the norm and i know that's something i know you really dig when they when they bring in that uh that it's extra meaning to the to the lyrics so uh, i exactly. like they elevate the lyrics with it i like this yeah song. this is about individuality and conformity and like you know how everybody got mixed feelings about the function and the form <laughs> and everyone got to deviate from the norm you know yeah, it's a good song and it's a good record. Um, all in all, I like. I'm glad you showed this to me. Uh, you know, tomorrow this is the week where I can sort of uh, keep my head down, and listen to headphones while I'm working. I don't have to answer phones mm-hmm. and shit. So I'll definitely be um, playing this and 2112 to see if I can finally get into it. Nice. Yeah. So. yeah um, which that this might have answered my question, but of the two classic prog records I brought of mm-hmm. uh, Moving Pictures or In the Court of the Crimson King. Mm-hmm. 
Which one do you think you prefer? Probably King Crimson. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, again, this is, you know, I, I don't know, man. That's a good question because I, I, this one has more. Sp- okay, I, I'm sort of changing my mind because Moonchild is so bad to me that none of the songs, <laughs> none of the songs in here is bad as Moonchild. There's so, no Moonchild on uh, here. Yeah, so I'd probably like this a little bit more. It's definitely less nerdy. I <laughs> think so. Oh, yeah, absolutely 100%. I think it's just a different kind of nerdy. Okay, all right. Because King Crimson, at least the early stuff, had that like whimsical fantasy nerd. But I got, I got, like, has, I got, got like computer go- nerd on this one. Yeah, I got like goblins and gnomes and shit like from from yeah. the, from the uh, from uh, King Crimson. You know, so I probably like this one a bit more. If I had to actually be honest with myself, um, mm-hmm. but um, I'm, I'm probably you probably only have to send me that photo for. Sure. 12 I'm probably going to see it after this, after the podcast. Oh, I'm, yeah. I'm a little left rush on the mind. And I do want to watch that documentary. I think it's on Netflix. I think it's like also like four hours long or some shit. It's good. The Rush documentaries are good. Is they they is do a really good job of like, they have a bunch of live albums. Uh, their recording schedule used to be record an album, record a live album, album, live album. This one broke the mold, deviated from the norm, if you will, <laughs> a did little it, bit on that. Did it elevate, though? I think it did. Okay. So they, right. they decided not to do a uh, live album for Hemispheres and decided to do moving pictures instead because they had enough material. This is they they start they when they started directing like one or two a year, and then like in the eighties and nineties it became it became like custom for bands to wait two years between records. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I don't know if I like that or not. <laughs> I wonder if it's just because there's more bands that exist now, so they uh, labels can't focus entirely on like their rotation of five bands. Yeah, it makes me they weird. release a couple albums a year. Yeah, because I know I know that like like bands there were bands in the '60s. Dylan released like three electric records in the span of like a year and a half. Jesus. Yeah, and you know he had a people use this fucking term when they talk about Dylan records. I'm like, hey. He had a kick in the ass from God, and I'm like, fuck that. But, um, <laughs> but uh, Rush wrote a good record called Moving Pictures, and I'm glad you showed it to me. Yeah. Where's it in your uh, Rush Pantheon? I think it's my favorite. Oh, I think is? I've come to terms with the fact that this is my favorite one. It used to be uh, Hemispheres. Okay. Um, but I don't really like their big uh, like set piece track on that one. There's like a 20-minute long like Cygnus thing and i don't think it changes enough i think 2112 is a better individual track on there would you i don't know they got lots of, they got lots of really good stuff I would think, you recommend yeah. 2112 though oh of course i yeah. love 2112 okay it's the one that like there's okay when i'm thinking about loser guys i used to work at this place called brick and corgi's brick and pizzeria in arlington texas and there was a mm-hmm. loser guy who worked there he got fired um no, mm, i guess the better way is to just stop coming <laughs> right but uh, I do remember that he would, he would, he talked about twenty one twelve a lot, and he was really into it, and, uh, <laughs> and he, you know, uh, you do, I, I don't really know how to, um, I don't remember his name, but do you remember he, he one time he came to my apartment sweating, he was like, can you can you help me out with money? I'm like, what do you need? And um, he's like, my wife, she's uh, she's on that time of the month. I just I just need something. So I took him to the corner store and I gave him five bucks, and he bought Mad Dog twenty twenty. I thought he was like oh I thought he was buying like something for his wife, but no. I guess he I guess he needed something else. Whatever. Fuck that guy. But um <laughs> he was really about Russia's twenty one twelve. So Well he at least had good taste. 
All right. Uh, I'm showing Chris now the uh, the 2112 album picture. Oh, yeah. But can yeah, you people... see Neil Peart's uh, twirly mustache? Uh, look at that. He probably had uh, mustache wax for that. Good for Neil. <laughs> uh, everyone, everyone should seek out this photo. It's yeah. great. So, you know what I picked for mine was the Atari's. Um, the, was... the band who did Boys of Summer, right? Yes. Um, so, <laughs> why did you said that? So the Atari's there band that formed in 1996. They're originally from Anderson, Indiana. I want to mention that the only constant member of this band is Chris Rother, singer, songwriter, guitarist. Um, they've had 20 past members since they've formed. I counted mm-hmm. 20 people. Other people have been in this band. The only constant That's member, crazy. The only constant member being Chris Rowe. Um, they released their first record anywhere here on Kung Fu Records. Um, and uh, that was their first record, and I didn't really know about them then. But I really came aware of the Ataris for this record, Blue Skies, Broken Hearts, Next Twelve Exits. Um, the one we're talking about. Uh, they've had they've had five studio albums. Uh, they've the last record last record they've actually released of full new material was in two thousand seven. And since then Chris Rose has been saying a new uh, since two thousand eight, he's been saying a new record's been it was supposed to release two thousand nine and it has been released yet. What the fuck? Weird. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you go to his bank, there's all kinds of stuff he's released. Demos from his old records. Four songs from the new record that's been 12 years in the making. And he, So, obviously, I haven't been listening to the guitars lately. Uh, he does, like, Facebook stuff now where he's playing live, you know, play, playing acoustic songs. People ask, you know. You know, and also be like, you know, uh, Arturo from San Paulo, like, come to Brazil or whatever. But, you know, whatever. Uh, so, anyway. I was a big fan of the Ataris. Big, big fan. Uh, I bought Blue Skies, Broken Hearts, Central Exits. They, this, the same day I bought The Offsprings of Rose Prankster. Okay. So the reason why it's a gateway is because I could have gone the other way with punk rock, where it goes to listening to Leftover Crack and shit like that, which I can appreciate now. Or I go the pop punk emo way, and I went with the Ataris, Blue Skies, Broken Hearts, Central Exits, which is much better than, by the way, The Offsprings of Rose Prankster, which is kind of a shitty record. Yeah, <laughs> um, Offspring really fell off. I think after uh, that, like first album, like Smash. Like I know they got more famous and more famous with but... Americana. Like you get one, you know, like pre fight for a white guy and yeah, and man. Like, but boy. it's not very good anymore now that I'm an adult, not a child with no right? taste. Right. So I, I got the Atari's when I was like 13 or 14, and um, I, I don't know if you're gonna dunk on this, but I, I have. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend this. When uh, I was more less staunch in defending life in general <laughs> with the MXPX. <laughs> By the way, these these bands are kind of adjacent. Um, after they released Blue Skies, Broken Hearts, Next Twelve Exits, they did tour with MXPX. Okay. Well, I want to mention also I was a big uh, their their biggest. You guys would know the most if you're not familiar with you know uh, pop punk. You would know them as the uh, as the band that covered Boys of Summer. And you don't know how much that bothered me when they became famous, because <laughs> they fell. They because I felt like they fell into that um that trap that the bands who cover a song they get famous from, and they, they everyone wants them to play that song. And, and I'll, I'll go ahead and say it that the, the Boys of Summer version of uh, Boy, uh it's better than the Don Henley version in my opinion. <clears throat> but again. Uh, was, you want to hear original songs? Yeah, I want to hear original songs, and there was, and that that that's also my Astoria, which is two records after, 
uh, Blue Skies Broken Hearts, which to me is their classic record. But mm-hmm. we'll get to that more in that. I'm going to play the uh, the sampler for the Atari's Blue Skies Broken Hearts next 12 exits. You'll never stop, you can't cut. You control the future, run it through King Seems like we're headed for another losing streak. Uh, the sampler for the Atari's Blue Sides Broken Hearts Nicolias. Before we say anything about it, I want to mention uh, beforehand that Chris Rowe has a funny way of playing, playing guitar. He's left-handed. He plays the guitar upside down with the fat strings on bottom. Oh, like Dick Dale style. Yeah, Dick Dale style. Uh, the surf guitarist, right? Is that what thinking of? Yeah. Okay. The king of surf guitar. Who? The first uh, person officially licensed to play rock and roll. Uh, oh, he has a license? Yeah. I'd like to see that. <laughs> I want to photocopy it on the internet. I'm sure it's out there somewhere. Um, so, um, 
this is a pop punk record. Um, uh, one of the things that uh, notable with this compared to the previous record is that two guitarists, and the way you can tell that is because the um, octave melody melody that's in basically every song, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, which I fucking love then, and I fucking love now. Okay, good. <laughs> it's held up. <laughs> it held up. Um, again, 1999. I don't know if it sounds dated to you. Um, but let's. I mean, it definitely sounds. Uh, I mean, it sounds pop punky. Let me get into my yeah my general thoughts real quick. Cause this is gonna be. <laughs> are you? Are you it's gonna, gonna be a theme across this whole thing. Are you gonna dunk it? Are you gonna dunk on it? I'm gonna halfway dunk it. Okay, halfway dunk it. That's fair. Because. I like the music. Uh-huh. I think the music part of it is is great. It's interesting if you like if you like pop punk stuff. It has everything you'd possibly want from pop punk stuff. I hated the lyrics on this. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get into that. Ab- we're we're absolutely gonna dive into it and maybe maybe go maybe I've got like a little bit more context since I accidentally read the lyrics for five other songs yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, but I will dive into it. But I did like I like the music on here. Um, <laughs> but we will be we will be talking about lyrics and the music separately. Okay. You, let's go through it song by song so we can dunk on the dunk on the lyrics. And this is guys. Just so you know, um, 1999 pop punk or emo was so fucking melodramatic that it's kind of fucked up. <laughs> like, 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 um, so. Um, I, I've seen the Atari's like twice live, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not since they've gotten, not, not since like 2003, maybe. Um, which, you know, people, my, my friend group was really into the Atari's. Um, and, you know, when I was, you know, 16, they were to men a lot, you know, because. Right. Yeah, because you're 16 and, every, you know, everything's about whoever you're uh, dating, right? Um, but losing streak really has nothing to do with the girls, but it does have these tropey new lines in it. Like, like, um, my name is just as close to me. Um, he repeats the line. Don't ever compromise, which will be three times at the end, which mm-hmm. is, uh, like, I'm sure you want people to, like pump their fists. Like, yeah, don't ever like give up, you know, but I, I had less of an issue with the lyrics on this song. At least most of my problems come from, uh, the, the songs, songs that are about, yeah, the girl songs, which is seventy five percent of this album. Um, <laughs> well, you're being, but you're being, you're being a little too generous. Probably eighty five percent of this record. Yeah, <laughs> well, it got to a certain point that I was like, if they had taken off like two of the songs that weren't about uh, women on here, mm-hmm. it would be a concept album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about how much the lead singer hates women. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So uh, this one, I, I mean, I liked I liked the a lot of the lyrics on it, um, but y- you mentioned the lyric of what was it? Never compromise your beliefs. Don't ever compromise what you believe. But then he said earlier in the song, "If you believe that bullshit, please see Exhibit A." Ooh. As in, you're wrong about what you believe, but <laughs> <Yeah>. don't compromise <laughs> them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I never put that together until just now. That's right. Um, yeah, if you believe. But uh, this this album. So the way I took notes on this one, mm-hmm. I wanted to you know try a new style of taking notes mm-hmm. uh, to make sure I'm exploring everything fully. Is I read the lyrics first before hearing the music. Oh wow! To really to you know kind of have that detached from mm-hmm. it, so I could read them, analyze them, kind of break it down, 
and then listen to the music so I can, you know, focus more on the music. Cause that's typically how I listen to music. Anyways, I just listen to music. So a lot of what he's saying would have ended up going over my head or I would have missed it. Cause I was, you know, rocking out to the stuff. Yeah. Um, but after reading through the lyrics, this was a lot heavier than I expected. Oh, like yeah. it had a, it had a heavier punk sound. Um, and I mean, it gets a little more pop punk as it moves on, but a lot of the stuff on here was like, wow, this is a lot more straightforward punk. Than this I was is not expecting. simple plan. This is not like fair more. Exactly. Yeah. And that, that, that's part of what separates it from, because you look at pop punk and you'll see Paramore and Avery Levine, you're like, what? Um, and I'm like, no, this is pre that. This is 1999. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, still at that time, punk wasn't, punk was the offspring to people. And this, this, mm-hmm. this was still not like, um, popular shit until later exactly yeah this is a little closer to you know your offspring maybe like early blink 182 early green stuff day. like i guess it's less poppy than blink 182 i would say yeah. oh yeah for sure um yeah and i always think it starts out with like a cool cool little um cool little palm muted riff you know you can get the bass in it a little mm-hmm. bit and then uh, I, I i still remember the first time i heard that song <laughs> oh really <laughs> yeah yeah i still remember i was at my dad's girlfriend's house in her one of her spare bedrooms she had a cd player in there and me, and mm-hmm. my, me and my brother popped that shit and we thought this was the bomb it's i still really like this record <laughs> <laughs> but what um do you want to get to the next one 115.96 yeah which looks like it's set up as you know a date daughter's could potentially birth- be his, a- his, his daughter's birthday is she mentioned in this song uh yeah um, it talks about never want to be a superficial family. Uh, well, okay, I only know this because I've read so many articles like about this trigger when it came out at the time. Because um, I thought I thought he mentioned his da- he does mention his daughter on like a yeah. later song. So he moved from Anderson, Indiana, to uh, to California, being the Atari. He's like he, he he had to be close to his label Kung Fu, and then Santa Barbara. And so right. He moved away from Anderson, Indiana, and let, I guess left his daughter and his ex girlfriend. The in Indiana to go follow his dream, which in my head makes him sound like a complete shithead. <laughs> well, it's, we'll get into it on this one because yeah. this one bothers me. So he made the move, mm-hmm. which in the song he seems to place the blame on the failed relationship on her <laughs> for not fo- for not following him. Yeah, but he says, "I would have done anything for you, he except any- stay be- except, except stay behind and raise my daughter." With her. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, <sighs> but, so it's like, he's he's like, if you would have taken the chance and moved with me, but it's like, he wouldn't have, so he wouldn't have done anything. He wouldn't have taken the chance to, to stay behind, find a label that's not a thousand miles away. I, uh, so, uh, the, <laughs> I, I, I do, I do, um, I do agree with you. He did the irresponsible thing. He was like, what, 20 at the time? 21, 22? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would Now, if I had a kid, I would never leave the kid. But I would have done everything in my power to get them to come with me to California. Mm-hmm. Uh, it does say at the end, I quit pretending you were in love with me. That's the last line of the song, which sort of ties together saying, I loved you, you didn't love me back. You know, so. It was, so so he interprets it and not. <laughs> yeah, so you you. I can't move a. I'm completely against him entirely on this because it's it. So much of it is like 
he places a lot of blame on her, but then he's talking about like what their dream relationship could have been. And it very much seems like this is only shit he would want to do. Like, like sing this in the uh, we'll drive. Yeah. We'll drive around and we'll listen to the descendants. And it's like, I can't even imagine driving around and being like, you know, with my wife, like, Hey, American. sing this Primus song. We'll just <laughs> listen to Primus all day. <laughs> She'd be like, fuck you. No. And then he says at the end, what was it about thinking you loved me? Yeah, it could be it's like you're in love he, with me. Yeah, yeah. He he pretends that like, it seems like he only accepts love in these big, grand gestures, which we'll get to later on the album too. <laughs> of just like, you didn't love me because you didn't move a million miles for me on a thing that kind of worked out. I was reading stuff that later on he ended up having to like live in a van because he couldn't afford to live to where he moved. Yeah, uh, and it's like so it didn't even work out. Like you fucked it up. Like she's the smart one for staying behind. So here's a so I before we did this record, I considered emailing him to, to see if he gets in the podcast. And, oh, now, <laughs> and now we can't do that. Like right now we can't do that at all. <laughs> Just make sure he doesn't listen to it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, and he might have grown up. Like there, I think within this album there are feelings here of you know how people have perceive their relationships or how they perceived women in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, how, how people do it now, but we can only hope that he has grown up and matured. Yeah. I want to mention something real quick. Um, he's doing, I told you this is Facebook live things. Where, uh, uh-huh. songs and people will say, Hey, play this song. Hey, play this song. And he will post his like, you know, donate here link. But people like give on there. Like, Hey Chris, what do you think about the new Madison shooter record? And he goes, I wouldn't know. I don't listen to punk rock. <laughs> so, like he's one like like since the since he's grown up I guess like in this voice he's been wearing Wilco shirts and Swerve Driver shirts he stopped listening to punk because that's so their last record they released Welcome to the Night is a indie rock record like, like, oh interesting yeah like he uh, fired everyone in the band hired the cello player and all the other people and it's a good record I like that Welcome to the Night people hate that record because they want the punk rock. Yeah, they want you know the punk rock, and I'm like, and I'm here. I emailed uh, the Atari's about that, like saying, "You guys gonna put this stuff live?" And he's like, and then one of the uh, he was like, uh, "Realistically, uh, I think it's the best record we've ever uh, that the Atari's ever made, but we can't play this stuff live. <laughs> if we want oh, the, weird. If we want the band to survive as a band, we need to play the older stuff." And I was like, "Well, that's that's disappointing and weird." <laughs> yeah, that sucks. But I mean, musically on this track, you get some cool like lead guitar lines mm-hmm. that lead it in, and then you've got that that chuggy muted pop core or power chord pop punk song, which I always like those. Yeah, yeah. It's... And then you got a neat like drum and a bass breakdown. I think the uh, the playing on this album is really what really good. The ending of it, yeah, yeah. That's Jen, and then yeah, I really like uh, the end the way the song ends because it it sort of brings. To me, it ties it up together because it it's still a bit different, but it's it's more full and it sort of like ends it in a way that is satisfying. Um, mm-hmm. Now, when he gets to San Dimas High School football rules, um, another song about a girl that yes, doesn't like him. This is probably their famous song, one hundred percent. Besides Woods of Summer, what happens when you see them live is they'll play the song, they'll say this is the song, and they'll pull a dude up on stage and as I'll play a guitar like from the crowd. Oh wow! Yeah, I know that's the only reason I learned the song. Hoping that one day I'd be that dude. <laughs> you you still will. Yeah, one day. 
I'll be the I'll be the forty old man. Probably could see. Or maybe they'll they'll take you up there and you'll play you'll start playing one of their indie songs and they'll be like, ah, fuck, I guess we got to play this one live now. I'm not capable of love, guys. Um, But um, (laughs) but uh, this song is the second is the first of two songs where he mentions dreaming of someone, which is creepy Mm -hmm. in the first place. Um, But uh, this song is basically saying, hey, this is all the fun you could have with me if you would dump your boyfriend and be with me. Exactly. <laughs> he loves which, he which loves being horrible, this it's a fucking real shitty place for the person you hang out with to be like, hey, you know, I, I really think you're you're the bee's knees bitch and um uh you should dump your <laughs> boyfriend and be with me instead because I'd take it to Disneyland, we go drinking, we go to Las Vegas and I'd Yeah, go- once again it sounds like things that he likes and like thinks like he thinks he's hot shit and like the things he likes like everyone likes like we'll go yeah we'll like go to vegas it's like what if she doesn't want to go to vegas what if she's not a fan of disneyland like why don't you ask her what she wants to do does she like wayne newton does she even <laughs> like you like yeah. he has this really bad problem like thinking he's better than every dude and like whoever the the girl is dating the girl's an idiot because she's dating you know, some chud that he doesn't like because he's the fucking arbiter of taste, I guess. Well, here's what bothers me. There's also some actual, like, logic that bothers me. So he goes, today you called me up and said you'd see me at our show, but now I'm stuck debating if I even want to go. You mean you want to cancel the show that you you and your bandmates are having to make money? <laughs> yeah. Like, like, You're, <laughs> Cancel you, his own show, yeah. So are you, he are, makes it sound like he's meeting her, like, at just some random show. It's like, so, no, you said our show. Yeah, and I'm thinking, oh, it's just like, so at this time, if I remember correctly, I was to a podcast Chris Rowe explained this time. He was living with people and then, then in there, so he got a call from on a landline from some girl saying, hey, I'm going to see you now. And he's like, okay. And he hung up, he's like, fuck that, I don't want to go. <laughs> like, like, mm-hmm. like, like, I don't know if I want to go. I'm like, I'm pretty sure your band would say different when they're trying to make money doing this. Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, this song is popular. Uh, people love this song. They think it's cute or sweet. And uh, as a being us, you being grown, you and I being grown men and knowing how relationships are supposed to work. You do, first off, I'm not going to tell the girl that I dreamt of, dreamt of her when she has a boyfriend at all. That's a fucking shit. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, just, that's that's not even something you do until you're at least a decent amount of the way, like, into a relationship. It's like, or in there, like, yeah, you're with this person. It's been three months, and they went out of town. You're like, I dreamt we were together last night. That's something sweet to say. But mm-hmm. you are not, like, if you're not in the relationship with this person, go ahead and put them in a the weird-ass position. Even if they like you a little bit. It's a weird-ass position to put this person in who has a boyfriend. Right. Uh, anyway, but the song drumming's really good on this track, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the song's fun. It's a fun song, uh, musically. Yeah, and I think it's a reference to uh, Bill and Ted. Oh, definitely is the San Dimas High School yeah, football yeah, rules. Yeah, th- th- definitely is that. Like you know, uh, when's the last time you seen Bill and Ted? You think? Oh Excellent God, it's probably been at least like ten years. Have you, have you seen the new one, Face Music? I have not. It's good. That's what I've heard. Yeah. A lot of people really liked it. I'll probably get around to it at some point. I need like all three of them to be on the same streaming service at the same time. Have you? Uh, I, I think Bill and Ted when it comes to like their heyday. I think you were a little young for that because I was a little yeah. young for that too. Um, I didn't. I didn't see it until I was in my twenties, um, and I really only saw. Uh, I saw both of them because I knew Primus was in Bogus Adventure. <laughs> or journey, bogus journey, yeah. but you you can't watch the uh, the sequel without seeing the original. Yeah. So I mean, I like the first two, but the third one, 
it's like updated so you like it as a, like a, a modern man. I oh, I got like, you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we'll go to your boyfriend sucks, which is like, I guess their second most popular song off this record. Okay. I is, mention, it, it's like the uh, sequel track to the previous yeah, one, or is this a new girl? I don't know. Um, so it's the third song in a row. The second one about a girl he likes who has a boyfriend. Your boyfriend sucks. What's called? So basically, it's saying, "Hey, I'm your best friend," or whatever. Uh, and but but your boyfriend is cheating on you, and it's and I'm there for you. But then, why, if you're not reciprocating the love, why do I care at all? <laughs> Again, what a fucker! Like if you're he's a like friend to someone, you should care regardless if they feel the love for you. Yeah, for them, you know, like, yeah, he's he's mad about being in the friend zone, and it seems like he's only friends with this girl because he wants to bang. Like, it, it seems like he doesn't actually care about this person, yeah, yeah. And honestly, based on just how like whiny and seemingly pretty manipulative and misunderstanding how situations work, I think he's making up. That oh. the boyfriend's cheating. Oh, you think he's like she's, he's probably cheating on you, saying something like that. Yeah, okay. I think I think he's doing little like whispers in the ear so he gets his way. Like, oh no, like, but she's cheating or he's cheating, and it's like. So I don't like this song that much. The best part about me is the outro where they play that so that clip from a Bronx Tale. Yeah, which <laughs> uh, they have, have that sample. The- they have that sample in the song, and based on his feelings about women i don't know if he thinks it's good advice or not what do you do you, okay i'm gonna read it out just the bad part like okay, i'm gonna read it out just so everyone gets the idea of what it says and this is i'm not gonna do the accent i'm just gonna read what it says it's, read it it's in your accent all right listen to me you pull over right where she lives right before you get out of the car you lock both doors then get out of the car go over to walk over to her you bring her over to the car you got the key, put in the lock, and open the door for her. Then you let her get in. Then you close the door. Then you walk around the back of the car, and you'll go to the room window. She doesn't really sure lift at that button so you can get in. Dump her. And then someone goes, just like that? He goes, listen to me, kid. She doesn't really sure lift at the button so that you can get in. It means just a selfish broad. Again, broad. And all you see is tip the iceberg. You dump her, and you dump her fast. So. Does he think that's good advice or not? Probably. He probably does. Like, I, I can't tell if it was put in there as, like, I bet this is how her boyfriend treats her. So, or if it's, like, hey, here's some relationship advice. So later on in other records, he does put clips of other stuff. Like, for example, in, in this river, he puts the song, uh, it's a clip from Clarkson, where he says, um, there are million finally one in the world where, uh, fuck. He talks about, basically, um, you know, Clarks? I don't think. Oh, Clerks, yeah. Yeah. So what's what's uh not Dante? Who's the other guy? Randall. Randall. Randall says uh mentions how his girlfriend Ron was on your work, but not all girlfriends mm-hmm. are like that. Most of them just cheat on you. So he says so he uses that in one later record and is forever. But he he's not. It's not unusual to put uh, movie clips into into uh, or even references into his music. I think he thinks that's good advice. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I. Fucking, especially, what if they don't have that thing they go to the button then? What, do you just fuck them? Like, like, fuck them then? Or you like, uh, I know, mean, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, but, um, I don't know. I, I, I've never even tried it. I think I'm considered it, though. Because it's kind of the Ataris, you know? <laughs> you know, so. I've been, you know. But, uh, honestly, if I'm taking someone on a date, 
I'm not gonna expect them to reach over and like like overextend their arm to let me in. Unless my car I mean cars have the little automatic fobs anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like if your car doesn't unlock. Anyway, this song's kind of like people people aren't thinking about that. The movie uh, you said it was like American Graffiti or something uh, like a, that. A Bronx, Bronx Tale. Tale. A Bronx Tale. I, I as far as I know, that takes place before they had electronic locks yeah, anyway. Yeah. So it's like this is so far outside of someone's mind at this point now. Like also using the term broad, you know, like Yeah, a little I remember, I'll tell you what, uh, when I worked at Corky's Brickham Pizzeria, like I said, um, I uh-huh. used, um, my, my boss, he was uh, from Connecticut, but he had that, he was built big into being like Northeastern, like Italian man, right? Uh-huh. And uh, when I, me and my uh, girlfriend at the time broke up and I mentioned it to him, he brought me his office like, listen, I never liked her. She, she was a snippy little broad. <laughs> he said that like s- several times. Me and that girl got it together. By the way, not my wife now, but um, <laughs> but he called her a snippy little broad, and I just think about that every time now. Like when I hear this broad, I think about him trying to give me advice in his office. Where he also this guy, he had people that worked there. I worked there for like a year and a half. Mo, uh, they were so tight. I remember he had girls walk out crying, and he blamed it on his fiery Italian temper. Instead of just being oh my a complete God. dickhead. Um, yeah, but uh, they make great pizza, man. I'd go back in a heartbeat to get some pizza. <laughs> but uh, I remember when I quit and he was all pissed off because I wasn't going to take nine. At, I, was, uh, I was making minimum wage with tips. And, uh-huh. and, I, and I, I took a job that was paying me nine bucks an hour. And he said he couldn't compete with that. I was, I was, I was out of the house. I was in an apartment. Like, like, like I can't, like, <laughs> whatever. Uh, fucking, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I'm not tied to this pizza place, dude. I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, Nick. I did make some great friends there, but I haven't talked to the people I made friends there in years since I was I, I was I couldn't drink then. I was not even old enough. Um, anyway, oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll go and move on to. I won't spend another night alone. They, yeah, fourth in a row. Yeah, fourth. about a girl. Okay, so uh, real quick, he also has this uh, has this habit where he re-records songs, right? Okay. So this one's re-recorded on actually so long a story yet. The record that's the most popular because Boys of Summer and in this diary and a bunch of other songs that got played on the radio are on. Um, one of the things I want to mention about the music is what he says alone. Alone. Right? He does that. <laughs> um, you got to add syllables. Yeah. So in this one, in the, the re recorded version, he makes that all one word so it flows okay. You know? <laughs> uh-huh. Alone. Not alone. So that's that's. But again, I like the original version more. Mm-hmm. You know, is it is it punkier? I just think it's more. I think it's more charming. Uh, I gotcha. So this one did kind of give me a like almost like a fifties, uh, yeah, like right. dance band vibe. Yeah, yeah, I got that too. Um, and this one's not necessarily saying like this one's kind of sweet in the way because he's not. He's not urging her to do horrible things. But one of the things I do hate about this is that I go to the pound and let all the cats go free, which bothers me. Because if the cats mm-hmm. went free and they're in the pound, they, they're defenseless little animals. They're going to get eaten alive yeah. by coyotes. They're going to get run over by cars. I would not let the cats go free. No, uh, take them to your house. Take them to your house. Or make sure they're all spayed and neutered and give them to homes. Don't let them all out. Like... So, uh, uh, anyway, other than that, the song's cute. Yeah. <laughs> the song's a cute song. <laughs> so, uh, this one, I, I feel like, 
uh, in the, you kind of said, you'd mentioned earlier, like pop punk emo and kind of like the emo spectrum. Mm -hmm. I feel like this one does not have a wide range of emotions. I feel like the only emotion he has on here is like horny angst. (laughs) Um, and it's like, yeah, I feel like the dude wants to fuck, but he pretends he's a romantic. Um, and when I heard it, when he said, I won't spend another night alone, Mm-hmm. read to me like a threat. Oh, yeah, that's what you got? I didn't get that at all. And it's just, like, I know that's not the intention behind it, but based on the way he's speaking across other songs, it's just like, I won't spend another I night alone. It's, it's just like, oh, my God, what are you, pl- oh, my, dude, no. I think it's really funny that you're seeing this guy as a predator, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> um, because, he's- because like, I, you know, I used to love the Atari, so I read an interview with him. I go to shows, and girls would be just screaming because they love him so much. Um, they have, and the song I story, they have a song called My Reply, and it's him. Mm-hmm. A girl with cancer is writing letters because she's about to die, so she's in poetry and stuff like that. And he wrote a song for her and sent it back, and she yeah, uh, found out that she was recovering. And But I was like, like that song is... I mean, I was there when he explained the song. The song wasn't released yet, but he explained it in the crowd. And I saw girls crying because they thought it was so fucking sweet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So I, I obviously don't see him as a predator, but yeah, with the threat, I do kind of see it now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess... Mitch, I, I will think... be sitting on the line unless you're in bed with me. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it just... So much of it just felt like borderline like incel shit of mm-hmm. just like he feels like he's owed you know sex and love from these women who don't like him but he thinks he's owed it because he likes them you've seen the hard times post that stuff i say uh share right which one this one is a pop punk artist or pop punk frontman says respect all women it's the bitch he's about to sing about <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um apparently um I mean, that's a real issue, but apparently, uh, who is it? The lead singer of Paramore, that girl, what's her name? Haley something? Um, uh-huh. Apparently, she's been accused of that, too, like being like kind of incel-y because she talks shit about a girl, calls her a whore and stuff like that, which uh, we shouldn't talk shit on sex work. No one should, but she did. So um, Yeah, I, I think it's because from the song Misery Business. Oh, yeah. Uh, hey. And they, they won't play that one live anymore because she's like, oh, yeah, there, there's some... Kind of fucked up shit in that song. Okay. Anyway, this song. Uh, Tinius, uh, not Tinius, I'm sorry. Uh, I want to swim another line. I do, it's his first attempt at real humor. When he says, we've got a small house in South Central, we raise lots of kids and we both join again. Because South Central is known for being gang central. Up mm-hmm. Okay, you know, and, uh, I guess that's what it is. I, don't, I mean... They'd rob the quickie mart. Oh yeah, not not. The, oh, so quirky. Oh yeah, because Simpsons guys, and uh, <laughs> the problematic character that's in the Simpsons. <laughs> um, <laughs> now, they, you know, they wrote wrote him out, and Hank Azaria can't do a Punava Nazi Pelon's voice anymore, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. And Doctor Hibbert is not done by Harry Shearer. They actually got a real black guy to do it now. Oh good. Yeah, I know that's cool. Uh, you know, it Columbus Day happened. I don't know if I'm damaging this last episode. What? Columbus Day at all? Uh, I don't remember. Maybe. Well, I mentioned my. I mentioned uh, that uh, my. I mentioned um my group chat at work that um, uh, we shouldn't be celebrating Columbus Day. It should be like it's just People's Day. Mm-hmm. And, and this lady was like sad, Chris, and I was like, well, the way I see it, um, 
Killing thou, thou, uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands of natives in the name of conquest. Bad. Seeing our past and trying to correct it. Good. Like, that's what I put in there. That was in the conversation. Right. Um, so when people get mad about uh, them changing the Simpsons to have actually the actors, you know, to make it less, more, recognizing mistakes and making it better, I have no issue with it. You know, exactly. And sometimes, you know, characters or we move beyond Mm -hmm. need for certain characters. Mm -hmm. Like, do we need a stereotypical Indian character anymore? No. Like, he's moved beyond all the jokes we could possibly use him for. Yeah. Like, uh, it's it's just it, it there was no reason to have him on there anymore so they took him out and i don't know why people are so weird about it go back and watch the 30 fucking seasons that had him <laughs> yeah i haven't watched the simpsons in season years um it's been a while i, like I rewatched the, some of it when they put it on uh disney, disney plus. plus yeah i watched but like it was the, like the early seasons the first 10 seasons are fucking gold like mm-hmm. but after that you're kind of like oh the simpsons did it um but um yeah <laughs> we got a broken promise ring which yeah, is this song in a row at this point, I wrote down, like, okay, at this point, it's a fucking concept album. Uh, here's the genius annotation. The song is, like, the, almost the whole album about a girl. A girl with a boyfriend the narrator falls in love with. He's a lover of this girl and seems to be falling in love, though. She doesn't have any feelings or feels wrong about loving her, but he can't evade this infatuation. Um, that's, that's the genius annotation. Mm-hmm. Um, so, this is the second song where he mentions dreaming of someone. Um, yeah, he says I probably shouldn't tell you, but I dreamt of you last night when I was when I was younger. I didn't have the lyrics. I thought I checked on you, which is even creepier. <laughs> yeah, looking looking through her window. Yeah, yeah. The, but uh, and everyone else thought that too. They're like, he said I checked on you. So he dreamt of her, and you again. You shouldn't be telling. I probably shouldn't tell you. Right? You shouldn't say anything. Just yeah. Keep your fucking mouth shut, you weirdo. Another another person who I believe is in a relationship. Yeah. Um. It, it doesn't come off to me as romantic. It comes off as creepy yeah. and very manipulative yeah. where he's like, I guess he says goodbye so long, farewell. I won't see you again uh, until next time that he goes away. Like he is withholding his friendship because he thinks that's a punishment. Well, he's punishing somebody for no, not being with him. I got the actual opposite way that, that she only calls him when he's away, her boyfriend. And so she's like, he goes away. And he gets that call from her. She's like, you want to hang out? Mm. That's what I'm getting from It this. could be. Um, but like, he's was... proven in the past that he will swoop in when a girl breaks up with somebody. It's his only move. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the set, he says, you told me you love me. I started tearing down those walls. I really start to trust you, but you said me have to take the fall. Um, I'm guessing what happens. Uh, to me, I'm not getting uh, I'm not, I'm getting a victim vibe from this. But again, I'm not. Again, I, I think it's very incel. I guess I'm wrong yeah. for falling in love. You know, like like. Uh, you can't like. I get that you can't. You know, super control what what people you like, who you have a crush on, things like that. But as a as a but, person with with like, I I've had girls that didn't like me back. You know, I think mm-hmm. I moved on. I just, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't immortalize them in songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't know. It he spends a lot of time like pun like punishing people for not liking him back. Yeah, like in talking shit on him, kind of. Like um mm-hmm. saying you're still with this dude, I don't know your judgment's obviously bad. 
And you're like, if a judge is bad, why would you, why would you want to be with you? Like, like, yeah, it's like you're not really putting up yeah, <laughs> much yeah. of a <laughs> yeah yeah much of a counter offer here. And she sounds um, if she, if her judgment's bad. Why would you want to be with you? she? She uh, 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 yeah, <laughs> but it's a you know it's a faster sounding punk song. Um, yeah, it's got that little stop in there. Thing, I do like it's not a prepared stop to say. I like to stop. Yeah, there. yeah. It, they do some interesting stuff musically. I really it seems like I they do a really good job of like drawing you in with the intros to the songs. I think all the intros have really interesting musical ideas and whether they follow through through mm-hmm. the rest of the song, it's kind of hit or miss, but the, the intros to these songs have all really grabbed me. It was like, Oh, Hey, something's yeah. happening here. Yeah. Um, we went to angry nerd rock, which is a re-recorded song from the first record. The first record is, uh, just a single guitar and it has this weird bell quality. It sounds like everything. Huh. Yeah. It's weird. And they re-recorded it and they, Put distortion, I guess, on it, and the re-recorded version sounds amazing. I love that first record. I think <laughs> the re-recorded version again. The song, the wish of justice, iffy, right? Um, yeah, this one. I mean, this again, one's not... as a teenager, by the way, I was a teenager when I liked this shit. So obviously, I loved it. <laughs> like, right. um, but uh, I mean, he's putting, he's definitely putting words down to this like angsty kind of just this vague anxiety, anxious feeling. Angry Nerd Rock is not about a girl. Um, no, it is not, which uh, is why it's one of the better songs on here. Um, I actually, that don't you fucking tell me what to do. I'm like, yeah, don't tell me what to do. Don't you? Yeah. He said, I mean, he says the fuck word, yeah. and he's he's real mad about it. Um, I like whatever effect they're putting on his voice. It's got this kind of like underwater tube for the verse quality then, to it. Yeah, of course he gets all he gets all. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do like the song rocks. Um, there's a big stop in it. Um, but uh, I do, um, man, I, I feel like we should say the fuck word every episode, just at least once. Because I, I think yeah. it's the only time they say the fuck word in this whole record, I think. <laughs> you're allowed You're allowed one Yeah. to it, still be PG-13. Yeah, and the, the, I, this did not have a sticker on the front. <laughs> oh, they snuck it in. Yeah, yeah they snuck in the fucking. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like Angry Nerd Rock. I, I like this version way more than the original version. My brother disagrees with me, but... You know, I, I have a twin brother, guys. So you know, so all the music was two was together. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. So I'm. He likes the more bell quality of the other one. Yeah. Well, well, um, yeah, but I, I want to mention that uh, I never had a problem with sharing with anyone because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, everything we shared. So sharing is, is my bag. Sharing <laughs> is caring. Yeah, sharing is caring. I'm really good at it. <laughs> it's a weird thing to be good at, but hey, there we go. Uh, so is that the first time you had problems listening, looking for lyrics? Because it's on two records on, on genius. Uh, I think so. I think that's where it started. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if I mentioned it, but one of the issues I ran into with genius is when a song appears on two different albums, mm-hmm. especially when one of the albums is a greatest hits album yeah. is it won't continue with the album you're looking at. So at some point it switched me to one of their greatest hits album. And I took notes on four other songs, all of which keep the same theme of, uh, disliking women uh being whiny and manipulative in one song uh called lately not on this album oh, uh, their first one yeah uh, it, think about i think it's yeah, yeah yeah he almost threatens to kill himself uh, because his <laughs> girlfriend isn't expressing her feelings enough for him um in which at which point he starts to bitch cry moan whine scream and shout at his girlfriend 
Oh, like maybe don't do that. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm seeing your interpretation of these songs. It's, this song's kind of a silly song. You're talking about Spock. You mentioned Spock in it. So in the in my head, I, when you listen to it, it sounds like a, his attempt at comedy. Uh-huh. So listening to it without like the music in my head, I think it's very funny that you came across <laughs> it that way. But uh, yeah. Oh, um, so we won't get into. I, I mentioned later about how or earlier how he only likes huge romantic gestures. Another song, not on this album, was called "Make It Last." Yeah, where he says, "I think about the day when I felt you'd throw it all away to try and make me feel like I'm the one." Uh, you were my best friend and I never ever thought these days would end, but now it seems like they are gone. And it's like the only thing this guy will accept as a romantic gesture is throwing your entire life away or you don't love him enough. <laughs> Let's move on to the that's, next. A lo- that's a lot to expect. Um, the last song so up. yeah, we'll move on uh, to where he said he proves that he is a liar. Yeah. It's the last song I will ever write about a girl. Uh, which, is the title of the track. Well, there's there's plenty of other songs on this record about. This, literally, the song after this is a song about yeah, a girl. Yeah. So, so he's a liar. <laughs> I, this is actually my least favorite song on the record. I hate the lyric song more than anything else. Uh, oh, really? Love is oh, wrong. Oh, well, I can. <laughs> yeah, say love it. it. <laughs> so it says, Why do I understand that girl, love is wrong and girls are fucking evil? Yep. And then he says, What womankind is all about. Yeah. Fuck, man. Awful song. Uh, just. Uh, he he does you know kind of broaden his range on uh, how he I guess he has a more emotional singing in it do in you, this one he seems wouldn't... angrier. Here's his genius annotation: Narrator seems to have discovered that love is shit, and when he's in love, he ends with this heartbroken. Although the title, although the title in which you can think the Atari's did write another song for a girl. Actually, the next song in the album choices about a girl. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just. Man, it like this is this is like it was this song specifically. Like I, I, you know, the stuff that was happening before this was just like, man, this this guy. And then it's like on this, it's just like, oh, he actually just hates women because yeah. they won't fuck him. I mean, I, he, he says it more eloquently than that, but um, you're right. Just because you hide behind big words doesn't mean that that's not what he's saying. Yeah, it, it makes me feel a little more innocent about it. They were just more like, like, won't you hold my hand? And this one's like, yeah, oh. which. I think the next track, uh, Choices, if you're ready to talk about that one, definitely feels in the same vein as a, like an MXPX kind of like, you know, this, <laughs> I think I called it like youth group punk yeah, yeah, yeah. before. Because this whole track is about like staying pure with sex. Like, um, he he's, you know, you know, wagging his finger at a guy who asks a girl out in kind of a sexual way oh, and she agrees. Choices. Oh yeah, yeah. choices. Um and then he's he's talking about how he had sex with a girl, but you know, he he made that choice before he loved her, before he was, you know, old enough to make choices that he wasn't prepared to make. Like it it feels very like judgy and uh shaming people for having sex. Yeah, like sort of like like don't fuck someone if you don't know them, which is I mean, I'm not going to shit anyone for having a good time. <laughs> but yeah, do I, like do what you want if that's if that's where you want to draw the line, mm-hmm. where you want to wait like Yeah. Just do that. I don't know. He it has this like 
he waiting and doing all that stuff is the only way to do it. It's it's, it's very yeah, it's youth with, groupy it's to me. This last this last four songs on this record, uh, starting from the voices to the last the last song, are kind of kind of really like like kind of youth group punk. Like like in a way, yeah. It's like it's yeah, like, I mean, I know plenty of people who like who like they have like they go to church camp or they go to church and they have these experience. They're like, I want to see your soul now. You're like, um, I don't know about that. Um, no, thank you. No, thank you. MXPX isn't gonna save my soul. Yeah, wouldn't we go in the better way? Yeah, which I so this then I wrote down on here is like this album seems to have taken kind of a weird Christian turn to it because yeah. one of the things on here is he's praying about something. Well, he's driving up, but he says you miss your wife, you wish for a little girl. You left them stranded in this world, so he's sort of understanding he stranded them, right? Mm-hmm. Like. Like, can you forgive yourself for all the time you lost? I wouldn't give that up for any cost. What are you telling? What, what are you saying? Give up what? What do you? Yeah. <laughs> give up what? Like, I mean, the the yeah. I hope they forgive you for being a dickhead and leaving them. Um, yeah, it, they, he's definitely talking a lot on this one about like. I think he's trying to put his own experience in the like giving up a lot of stuff to try to provide for them. Cause I'm assuming he's probably still sending so, money back so, and stuff so like two that. Records later in song last story, he uh, has a song called the saddest song. And it's mm-hmm. about basically him is not seeing his daughter enough. Like he feels fucking terrible about it. Um, right. And she's got to be in her twenties by now, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, looking, um, looking at the um, lyrics, uh, the, the, the date. So she's like 25, 26 now. Um, Man. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so it's weird to think about that. This dude who, uh, who spent his most of, by the way, the first four records, you see pictures of him, and he's trying to hide his balding quickly. Uh, by big oh, really? Now he just wears a hat, which is fine. He just wears <laughs> this weird, like, fedora looking hat. Or, of like, course he wears a fedora. I'm sorry, it's a pork pie hat. So it looks, it looks it's, it's weird. It's a little better. It, not, not, <laughs> quite, not quite, though. Uh, but, uh, yeah, met, met my brother saw him at the word tour when they're doing it. His, his hairline is like back to here, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't try to hide it because I'm I'm a grown ass man, but um, I mean I wear a hat. <laughs> I wear a hat pretty often, but uh, but it's a personal customized hat. Yeah, it is. It's, Good it's, hat. It's, it's it's my podcast hat, um, but um, yeah, uh, and my wife I, my wife still loves me, so that's that's something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this one the uh, the music in this one. It, it kind of opens with him singing over like guitar chords, but there's some like quality to the guitar oh, chords that's really interesting. Is, where it sounds like they're like really loose yeah, chords. This song's called "Better Way." Oh, this song's called "Better Way." <laughs> yeah. By the way. Yeah, uh, but yeah, it does. It's this one does have interesting. It sounds like weird chords, not power chords. You know. Yeah, like they sound like very. I wrote loose, I think is like the only way to describe yeah, it, yeah. but uh, it's interesting. And then it has like a cool little like one string guitar solo, which I always like. Oh yeah. The one string. Yeah. I think, I think it can sound really cool. Cause you just get some neat, like you like sliding around doing some, so, it was, it's cool. So the, the, the genius annotation says the song is about self indictment of Chris Rowe. who's singer of the band. He talks about mm-hmm. his daughter called Starla and his first wife. So so he's actually sort of addressing his shittiness in this song. Right. Which is, I mean, it doesn't make it better, but it does, at least he knows he's shitty. Um, so we went to my hotel year, which was a 
re-recorded version of a song off the previous um, EP, Let It Burn. I like mm. I like that version more. It's a full band version. It has the whole extra okay. Um Yeah, this one I think was one of the weirder ones on here mm-hmm. because it not only had a really good lyric that I liked, but he's it's just an acoustic guitar that he's playing. Also, like an he, electric guitar. He plays his guitar and sings into a phone outside of, of a uh, of a Salvation Army. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. In the, Interesting. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I guess I didn't pick up on any of that. Well, um, yeah, because I only read it somewhere a long ass time ago. Who knows it's even true? But, right. <laughs> but I read about that. They sing outside of Sally Charmy, and all these people were watching him singing to a payphone. Interesting. Yeah. I just, I think it's, uh, it's so weird that it's just the acoustic guitar on this, because he's not, he's not really playing it like you would expect an acoustic yeah. to be played. So it's like, why not? And you said he did a full band version of it already, mm-hmm. and it's like, it, that just makes sense. Like it, it seems very like isolated from itself. Um, if I remember correctly, this song is also based on a book he read. Like, so the lyrics come from straight from that. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's probably because the lyrics in this are actually pretty good. Um, as I a, like, I, there's that line of I'm more alone with you than I am when I'm by myself yeah. is, Hey, that's, that's pretty good. He's onto something there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it says you fearing nothing by ourselves. It's yet feeling nothing by ourselves. Yeah. Fearing mm-hmm. makes no sense. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good song. I mean, really, uh, it's, it was shorter than the album version, than the previous version. And I do like the electric version a little bit more because we get, that, right. we get that lost line where it says, I'm glad you were a part of my hotel year, which is in the EP version, which ties the fucking name of the song together. Right. He's like, ah, you know what song it is. Yeah, yeah. No, but I thought this was an interesting track on here. Like, I think I would, if the, like, lyrics mature, like, I I would maybe check out some of their indie stuff, because I think they've got these, like, they've got nuggets of good ideas here. Oh, yeah. And he has the chops to write a decent, a decent lyric. Um, And I I think there could be, there could be more. Yeah, that, 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 um, record, Welcome to the Night. It has some really good lyrics to it. it really does. Um, mm-hmm. And he's not he's not being like whiny in this one. He's more like, like he has this line called song called "Not Capable of Love." He says "Not Capable of that I felt when I was 21," which is which is melodramatic, but it's also like it's sort of like he's looking at himself as opposed to him being with this girl, you know? Right. And um, yeah, I like I like Welcome Night quite a bit. I've really encouraged everyone who isn't sold on the Atari's at least check out that record. Cause it's not like these other ones and the lyrics are actually pretty good. And it's, I mean, it's going to sound stupid. And that's not stupid. There's songs on that other one. Welcome to the night. Make me cry. And we might talk about one day, like underappreciated. If we ever, yeah, had, we were having, like, oh, I thought we had, we had underrated. Oh shit. I should have done that one. Oh, whatever. <laughs> um, moving, moving on to life makes no sense. Um, again, quarter- kind of a existential dread song. Yeah. Not about a girl. Really? Um, this is more no, just kind of about how the universe doesn't make sense. Well, he's right. <laughs> yeah, he's he's definitely not wrong in this one. It's not a song. He's, he he is kind of approaching it from this like I know what I'm talking about kind of thing. Like, even if things don't make sense, like this is the way the universe works. Yeah. Um, but he says he says the line like, "What's the point of crying when you've done nothing wrong?" Which I I didn't count it, but it's like I'm pretty sure he mentioned crying himself crying multiple times throughout yeah. the album earlier and it's like so who are you condemning for crying but uh, if not 
yourself. But I, I do agree. With, I mean, I, I'm guilty. He says, don't just get your hope, hopes too high. Because when things don't turn out right, the world comes crashing down. I've been doing that for years where I'm like, it's probably not going to be that cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or it probably won't happen. You know, for example. Yeah, I think I think that's decent advice, not yeah. to get stuck up in your expectations. You get that, you know, that expectations reality yeah. uh, so, thing. The song's okay. It's not my favorite song, not by a long shot. Um, bass is doing cool stuff in this one. Oh, yeah, the bass, finally. <laughs> right? Yeah. I feel like when you can hear the bass on this, he's actually doing really cool things. And I, I think one of the more underappreciated like base communities is the pop punk community. Well, yeah. They Cause these guys rip like they're, they're doing, they're doing crazy stuff yeah. that goes unappreciated because it's kind of buried behind regular, you know, power chords. I also sort of blame the um, way that the, their, the drums are like the tone. Cause it sounds really mm-hmm. tinny a lot of the time. And you want to, yeah, it's kind of that like, Almost like a slap bass kind of thing. Well, but they're using not a quite. pick on it, you know. That I, mm. yeah. So well, they're using a pick, but it sounds like they're slapping because yeah. of how like tinny it is. That yeah. it sounds like they're they just rip some like brand new strings onto their yeah. uh, onto their bass, and they're just recording it, not even through the amp. <laughs> so you played bass before, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Just it's cool to- stuff. Like, yeah. uh, Fat Mike, great bass player. Guy oh, in this, amazing, great bass yeah. player. Guy from uh, Descendants, who is mentioned on this album. He's a great bass player. Uh, the dude from Rancid is a great bass player. Oh, dude, dude. Yeah. Like, all these bands are kind of, you know, pop punk-ish, and they all just have crazy good bass. Yeah. Like, if you listen to Maxwell Murder, I'm not, I mean, I used to live Rancid, but Maxwell Murder has one of the bass, bass solos you'll hear anywhere. I mean, yeah, or even, like, that whole album, uh, they're, like, self-titled one that has the skull on the front. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, that whole thing is, like, it's like nothing yeah. but fucking bass solos. I fucking love that record, dude. Oh, man. Um, like, uh, moving on. Uh, to, <laughs> to Answer. Answer is, right. a, is a, the overtly about God on this record. Um, he talks about, uh, you know, I know, for example, I'm trying to say I had the answer. All I know is for sure we're going to be here to serve ourselves. And then yeah. the last this is this is another example of him like immediately contradicting himself. Yeah. Um like earlier, like on the first track we had uh the you know, the stuff about never do anything about your beliefs, and then earlier in the track it was like your beliefs are stupid. Yeah. He had the last song I'll write ever write about a girl, and then immediately writes another song about a girl. Um in this one, the previous track had the line, Why are you looking for the answer when you still don't know the question? And then this song is more or less being like, well, here's the answer. Yeah, it's about Jesus. He's not saying he has the exact answer, but he's saying I've got an approximation of an answer here. And yeah. it's like, oh, he okay, has- well, then what's the fucking question? And the last line is uh, I won't write it off, where he's basically saying I won't write the uh, idea there's a God. Well, I'm, I'm not. I, I won't sell for less. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it does seem to have kind of this weird message of like, Make something of yourself, which hey, good yeah. good advice. You know, do what you want to do. But along the same lines, had almost has this like tinge of like, but don't enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, I get that making too. yourself is suffering because I'm I'm sad. Okay. Um, this is one of like the heavier songs on the album. Like I think it gets very close to almost being metal. Oh, this one, uh, that one. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I think it gets pretty close. Um, the drums do something interesting where they have this kind of like awkward meter to it that mm-hmm. then kind of like comes together and sounds really cool. 
Um, I think musically, this is one of the better tracks on here. I think musically, my favorite song is the next one, Despite the World. Which is my favorite track on the album. Oh, yeah, because it one of the, the lyrics aren't shitty either. But there's another about the third song about dreaming, but he's not he's not pining for a girl. It's more of yeah. like, he's more, this one sort of seems like he's just trying to, it's just the pains of being grown up, like, like growing up, you know, like, like wanting to let go of people and sort of trying to figure out how you're going to do this, you know? Yeah. The, I thought the lyrics on this one were a little weird because I, it opens on the, the first couple of verses mm-hmm. of being like these weird, like kind of like contradictory lines yeah. uh, that are pretty cool. Like stuff that immediately like, like saying like the opposite stuff. Yeah. But then for the last part is a song about growing up. And it's like, well, I'm not getting that from what you had said before. So if I'm looking too deep into it, which if I would definitely look too deep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what, what I've been said, doing this uh, whole time. Yeah. So if I'm looking to it and say, Chris Rowe just wrote some shit down, put it down. Cause it looked too deep in it. I could look at it, but I don't think he's that deep in any of the songs. You know, like, I just think, at least for me, I think it's weird because it's like he's setting up this obvious pattern of like saying a thing immediately, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like saying like the opposite in like a humorous way. Yeah. Um, and then at the end, it's just like, and then growing up sucks, and you're like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. Are we? Is this what? Yeah. <laughs> did you just mush two songs? What? Where did this come from? Um, but this one I think is the most interesting musically Cause, song. Cause the the done pretty quick, and then the last song sort of jamming out, sort of changing each way they come until it ends. Um, exactly. It's and, got like bass, got bass chords. Uh, it does. It is a little weird at the beginning though. Cause it feels like the guitar maybe like missed its cue, <laughs> but it's like off, like just slightly when it's supposed to come in with like the. Yeah. 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 Um, it's strange that the, the, the song is three minutes, 37 seconds long. It's the second longest song in the record. Uh-huh. The, the other one's like three forty, but it sounds like it's longer than it is. Cause it has that long outro, you know, like, yeah, they've got a lot of ideas that they cram in here. Guitars doing like some like noisy harmonics. Yeah. The drums are changing all over. Yeah, I like this song. <laughs> it's by the way. Yeah. In spite of this record, I like this song. Um, yeah, it it really does show that they've got they've got the chops. They've got the ideas to write interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. So I will probably revisit them. Uh, yeah, later on down the line. I know this is we said what this is their second album. Yeah, second record. Uh, so it's still, you know, kind of they're still kind of in their infancy, and I'd so be interested to see where they go. So on Astoria is probably like the most popular record, and that song's about girls in there, but he's not like he's not being the weirdo he is on this one, you know? Like, yeah, it's more like and love songs, like like hey, uh, you know, like uh, we're together in this way, like about you sort of stuff. But it's also right. it's also about growing up in the town you grew up in, you know? Like mm-hmm. so, and but uh, this record is. Definitely the most whining about the girl about about it's early ninety it's late nineties emo, so it's gonna sound like this, uh, right? And I like I dunked on the lyrics a lot. I think if you can separate the music from the lyrics on this one, there's a lot of good stuff uh, to find. I just found the the lyrics to be a little. Uh, Chris, I'm sorry that Ryan doesn't like you. We'll have you on the podcast in a little bit. I I am hoping that you have have grown up uh, and moved beyond some of these uh, yeah, he married, these prob- problematic views of women. He married a nurse, so cool. Yeah, and uh, he hasn't seen her in a while because of COVID. I don't know if that's changed. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah, that was the Atari's um, blue skies, <laughs> broken hearts, ellipsis, next twelve exits. 
Um, by the way, the cover of him was all the photography they've taken, all the stuff, stuff he's taking photographs of. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I, I like when bands do that when they create he's their a, stuff. He's not a bad photographer. He sells stuff. But, nice. But partially because he's Chris Rowe, the Atari's. Um, <laughs> apparently, people have got their name wrong all the time. All the name incorrect all the time during the beginning. You know What did they think it was? The Atari's or the Atari's. Weird. Because yeah, I feel like... Even back then, people knew what an Atari was. Yeah, I know what Atari is, and I haven't played one ever. Uh-uh, me yeah. neither. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to. I got the Switch charging right behind me, so I'll just do that one. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that my, my my record player now connects to my Bluetooth speaker, right? Yeah, you, you I, moved it. I moved it closer, like like three feet closer, and now, now it sounds fine. I'm, I'm waiting for the next Bluetooth. I'm waiting for, like, Bluetooth 2, because I feel like Bluetooth right now is still like it's weird yeah, like i i think i was mentioning finicky. to you it's my fin- it's finicky right yeah my phone uh fights with my headphones and my uh sound bar oh yeah so if if i'm at home it prioritizes the sound bar over my headphones so if i want to like i don't know listen to music while i'm doing chores or something yeah. like that i have to like go through and actively de- deactivate the sound bar or it'll keep like reconnecting to it while I'm listening to stuff yeah. or when I'm walking back from like a run or the gym, if I get within like 10 feet of my front door, it'll connect to what's inside. <laughs> Weird. And it's just like, why I'm already listening to something on these headphones. So is, like, your, is your, uh, is your, computer, is it Bluetooth capable? Uh, it might be, but it's close enough to my uh, stereo that I just, just hardwire can, it. Yeah. I, I really Cause Bluetooth has, also has a little bit of a delay. It does. Um, There's a little latency when it comes to Bluetooth. That's why yeah, I get so mad at my co-host. Sound bleed. Yeah, or I get mad at my co-host for using wireless headphones uh, because there's latency. I have to cut that oh, shit yeah. out. Yeah, so I'm like, dude, just just use the use the wire. See right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've noticed, you know, sometimes you get sound bleed from listening to your records because mm-hmm. it just plays from like what's on the needle. Yeah. And it's it's out of sync because it's Bluetooth. Yeah. So you get. It just sounds weird. I know I had friends in the past with their record players. Like, they couldn't even listen to it with uh, the record player in the same room because the sound bleed was so bad. Oh, wow. I don't have They were just like, it's off, and I hate it. Oh, I don't have that issue because the needles are very loud on my end, but... uh, Yeah, mine's not terrible when you have the the cover on and if you're cranking it. I mean, yeah, I can... And I mean, like, turning the volume up, not masturbating. Oh, oh, gotcha. (laughs) I didn't... (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, I I have no neighbors. I do have neighbors, but they're you know, between walls and the yard and all right. that. Yeah, so I, I'm in an apartment and my neighbors are loud as fuck, so I don't care. They how, can listen to Rush. What do they do? Uh, they stomp uh, 22 hours a day. <laughs> um, they watch TV really loud late into the night. Like yeah. last night it was 2 o'clock in the morning and they were listening to music loud enough I could hear it through the floor. Um, and then they, they cheer and yell uh, for TV show or whatever they're watching, I can't. I don't know what they're watching, but they're always like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" It's like, guys, it is one thirty in the morning. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, man. Uh, it's okay. I, I mean, Luckily, I, it's starting to get a little colder, so I can close uh, our porch door, so they they're somewhat quieter. Oh, uh, so what's what's the temperature get there when it's low? When it's winter, you know? It it. I don't know winter. I haven't been here yet, but yeah. it is 58 degrees right now because nice. it's raining today. <sighs> Give me that fall weather. Oh yeah, you know what time is for? But that was the Atari's um, Blue Sets Road Nine Six Twelve because it's uh, and I mean if you want to listen to their stuff, there's five records. 
It's not as easy to get through. If you listen to the first record, make sure you listen to the new master version because uh, it's way better than the bell version <laughs> here. But uh, I think it's time for us to draw the next theme. Here we go. Let's new see. theme. New theme. Ba, 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 from the hat. From the hat. Okay. Um, free play. Hey. Another free play record. Let's free play. Okay, free play. Uh, it's pretty simple. We just bring whatever the fuck we want to. Right? Easy. Okay. We'll do free uh, play. Actually, maybe even the hardest one to decide. Oh, yeah, because we got something to bring. Uh, I'm definitely going to bring something that I have not mentioned on the show before. I kind of already had. I might. I might as well. Right. Oh man, I'm gonna torture you. I think. <laughs> Do it. Okay. All right. Uh. So um. What's going on, pal? Uh, me and a friend of mine are in a band called Smell. And we do the music for this podcast, the intro and our outro, mm-hmm. not the not the albums we talk about. Um, so you can check us out. We are on Bandcamp at smell.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. We have two albums. They're pay what you want, so they could be free or however much you want to pay for it if you like to. But you can download it, listen to it, and I hope you enjoy it. And how about you, sir? What I, do you got going on? I do another podcast, uh, podcast, podcast called Moves Don't Suck. It's something to do. <laughs> uh, we're on all stream platforms. Where you find recognize you find moves that don't suck, and some that do. There is another podcast called Moves Don't Suck. They haven't updated anything since December of last year, so not us. Um, but uh, you win. Yeah. So Moves Don't Suck and some that do. Uh, I also have Bandcamp, Christianmusic.bandcamp.com. I don't really expect you to listen to it because. I'm kind of embarrassed by it, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> but uh, stick around and listen to Someone's Alter, the Dungeon Sid project of a, a uh, guy in Dallas, Texas. Um, we're going to be playing uh, Forgotten Embers. So, um, Embers of the Forgotten. Fuck. I have one of them. Uh, but yeah, stick, <laughs> stick around. Listen to that. And uh, you can find Someone's uh, Alter at someonesalter.bankcamp.com. All right. Um, I think that's it. You good, bud? I think I'm good. All right. uh, Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later. Bye.